If you didn't know it until now, you are the Common Sense Nation. And this is Radio Free Almond. Good morning, you bunch of drunks. Good, 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 good morning. Good morning this morning. Good morning this morning, everybody. It's already Thursday in this neck of the woods. It's Thursday across America. Good morning. There's no time zone for the days. It's Thursday all across the great country of the Americas. You know, it's interesting, these guys who do these radio shows, remember there's one guy, I can't remember who it was. He was over on KTRS or something. No. It was, a guy. It was actually on 97.1. It was a great guy. He did the, uh, Dave Finkelstein, he did the, the 97.1 kind of auto show, you know? Oh, okay, yeah. Great guy, though, by the way. Just one of the nicest guys in the world. I actually knew his dad because his dad had an auto shop right around across from Heeman Park. And I went to school in U City. And so when we played soccer and stuff, I played soccer, Christ the King, that kind of thing. I'd always walk by his shop, and there he was, Mr. Finkelstein. He was the, the, the owner of the auto shop there. <laughs> yeah. But Dave wound up doing his show, and he'd always be like, it's, you know, he'd do his show like at 11 o'clock on a Saturday, you know. It's 11 o'clock uh, in mid-America. <laughs> Mid-America. <laughs> uh, specific time, it's 9 o'clock. It's like, like anybody is listening in California to the, the auto, auto talk or whatever it is. Well, good morning, everybody. So much to talk about today. We're hoping to get uh, Jimmy Hoff done later. Doug Giles is going to be with us. Don't forget. We put it up all there on Facebook right now. We have the Warrior and the Wild Man, Radio Free Almond, Throwdown Palooza coming the weekend of the 8th and 9th of June. That's the weekend following this weekend. And you even had kind of like a weather report on there, too. I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know. Does that come with, you know, it's like a the, part of the, the, the calendar thing? Uh, oh, okay, cool. Know. Well, the, yeah, but anyway, it's supposed to be very nice. It is. And because they can tell those things because, you know, they have technology, right? It's called a satellite, <laughs> satellite weather technology. So we are going to have the book signing at the Missouri Athletic Club. I was actually scouting it out yesterday. 
And that's where, from 5.30 to 8, the Missouri Athletic Club West. It's going to be pretty cool because uh, we are going to have the book signing of all three books, Pussification, Raising Righteous and Rowdy Girls, and Rules for Radical Christians. And we're going to have a little talk here and there, back and forth, Q&A with, with Doug. And so then we're going to have the book signing, 5.30 to 8. People want to linger around. That's great. I asked Doug to bring some of his safari cigars with him. Or ship them up to me ahead of time and sell them whatever. He goes, yeah. I'm almost running out of Safari cigars. He's getting a new shipment from Nicaragua. I'm sorry, <laughs> Nicaragua. He's getting a new shipment, Ryan, from Nicaragua. Oh, yeah. You have to pronounce it. Well, because, you know, in order to be credible as an anchor, you know. <laughs> Meanwhile, in Nicaragua, <laughs> the hurricane in Puerto Rico. You're like oh, this see? white dude from New York. It's like, dude, you're not, you're not from Puerto Rico. Stop. You don't have to do that. Obama used to do that all the time. Oh, I know. I am, my condolences go to the people of Puerto Rico. Like, dude, why are you doing that? It's embarrassing. It's like Geraldo Rivera would talk as, like, English and, like, clean, uh, regular. Just <laughs> And then all of a sudden he would start talking about, yeah, like, right. his roots and, you yeah. know. So I was having a tortilla the other day. It's like, <laughs> dude, it's a tortilla. So, no, the the so we've got that going on Friday. And we're going to just, we can linger around. There's a nice little patio out there if anybody wanted to kind of sit around and smoke. So I don't know what Doug's schedule is going to be. So he might be, I don't know wh- what kind of guy Doug is. Some of these people are kind of on the move all the time. So they don't want to stick around. But Doug's not that kind of guy. So, and plus, I am in charge of uh, the driver. So I could make him stay as long, unless he wants to take a cab back. I can make him stay if <laughs> I want to. Subtly make him stay. Then Saturday, noon to 6, we're going to be out at Discovery Design, which is the brand new sponsor of the studio. So this studio is sponsored by Discovery Design, where they're building great utility, building trucks, innovation. It's where it lives at Discovery Design. They'll build any kind of truck, any kind of thing for you, fleets, whatever, conveyors, hoists, you name it. they got it all for you, light kits, wrapping, painting. You got it. They got it at Discovery Design, and they had a brand new sponsor of the show. Rick's going to be in with us next week as we kind of count down to the event. But it's going to be great. We're going to have a kid section there, the Naputi Pediatrics kid section there with a bounce house, face painting, all that kind of stuff. We've got some crafting beer on the way, and we're going to have uh, music. Uh, Phil Valencia, otherwise known as Nine Killer, there on uh, Twitter, is going to be a great, good, good friend of ours, is going to be doing the music there. And we're going to have some rousing speeches and that kind of stuff. I, I hate to call them speeches, but we're just going to have you know fun. And just kind of hang out, barbecue. Got a barbecue food truck. We have Russo's, which is an Italian food truck. We've got uh, Kona Ice going to be out there. And so 12 to 6, uh, just so you guys know. And, and Doug will have his books out there, too. And so we'll have a few giveaways here and there of our own. We're going to be giving away some bumper stickers for you, too, which are beautiful. Good job you sealing like those, the deal right? on those, buddy. Yeah, they're really They're nice, they're high quality. Cool. People are kind of amazed at the quality of our goods. You know, like, like our hats and our shirts and stuff. Yeah. And we went, you, you go big or stay home on these things. And so, you know, our hats are, they're, they're nice hats. They're not just like, you know, because sometimes people give away hats and it's. Oh, they're awful. Yeah, you, like, you, you wear you, them again. You, yeah, you give them to your kids. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> the foam front and all that stuff. <laughs> but these are, these are good. We've got uh, um, tri-blend shirts, you know, that kind of thing. Because the whole trick in the business, I didn't know, is that. You know, if you're giving away 100% cotton shirts, that just means they don't care about you. But we do here it's like at Radio Free All. Wearing cardboard. Yes. 
We're very innovative here. And you know one of the things and, and I, I want I need to slow down because I'm I'm being too innovative because I've come up with this idea in the wake of all the craziness over the Roseanne Barr thing. Is there should be like a Planet of the Apes app for a telephone, for an iPhone. So what you do is you'd have the Planet of the Apes app and you could turn anybody into an ape. <laughs> like a Planet of the Ape. And you have to all you do is take the Planet of the Apes app. You'd have the ape face, and you'd look at it, and it would put your eyes and your thing into the planet of the ape. I have into to the sh- ape. Jamie, I have to show you this feature on the iPhone. They basically have that. So you could make yourself into look, an ape. Look at this. But you know what would be even better, though, Ryan? Look at this. Wait, look. i got to show you this. You know, Wait. I tried to do that, and it wouldn't let me do that. Like, it wouldn't let me send it. Oh, really? Yeah. See, there's the little... Oh, it's a little monkey. Yeah, I saw that. Like a little monkey. <laughs> I tried to do that, and I, it wouldn't work. I got. I paid a lot of money for this I iPhone ten. But yeah, so you'd be, what would? And then what would you do is you'd have a planet of the you have like a planet of the ape head, and then you could mix it, like Roseanne did. You know, you could you could mix it with. You could have other little things, tools that you could mix. You know, if you like, if you if you really wanted to have like a image of the Muslim Brotherhood, if you really wanted to, <laughs> you could have that, or you could have, you know, we could even localize it, and you could you could mix in. We could have a face of Mark Kaysen. You could do a Mark Kaysen, and if Mark Kaysen and if and 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 a Planet of the Ape had sex, <laughs> what would you get? Dude, what, we're missing an opportunity here, as if you're not busy enough. <laughs> yeah, but. okay. I'm on I'm it. I'm always thinking about these kinds of things. I'm on it, Jamie. So, yeah, we, get, we need a Planet of the Ape app. We call it Planet of the App. <laughs> Dude, I'm always thinking. <laughs> I know you are. I'm always thinking about new and innovative you're things. You're an innovator. And, and somebody else, listen, here's what I'm going to do for you here at Radio Free Almond. Because we're generous as well, I'm going to gift the idea to you. Which means if you come up with the Planet of the Ape app where you can make yourself into a Planet of the Ape, then uh, I won't sue you. You can go ahead and do it. I won't, take, I won't go after you. As long as they give Radio Free Almond the credit? Yeah. Okay. Well, no. Uh, okay. <laughs> I'd be too soon for that. <laughs> Don't tell anybody I told you about the Planet of the Ape app because I think it is kind of soon. But nonetheless, by the way, she's saying that it was all uh, ambient. And Ambien's like, no, it wasn't. It's you. It's funny. Ambien actually. And they came respond out. well because these guys, you know, Ambien is not a fun drug. It, I mean, it really isn't. And these guys didn't want to have that on them. But the reality is, there's 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 a lot of different side effects to Ambien that are not very happy. So I don't know, but I I don't think it was. I think it was a little disingenuous of her to blame Ambien. But yeah. because it'd be better if she just blamed the vodka, right? You know that'd be easier. But just to blame Ambien is not probably the way to go. Because I think inherently, whatever is kind of on the inside of you, I think those things can just make it come to the surface. Like, do you remember the 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 Mel Gibson? Was oh it yeah, the, you know it's these kind of outside interference that often brings out the. Uh, Inner workings. With Mel Gibson, it was outside interference known as Jose Cuervo. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ambien, Jose Cuervo. Yeah, Jose Cuervo got in his body and somehow started talking about Jews and... <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> 
talking to his fiance, whoever that woman was. Do you hear those phone calls? Yes. You are nothing but a thing. It was Dude. weird how he spoke. I thought Jose Cuervo was a lot nicer than that when I met him. <laughs> See, I think it depends on your personality, of course. Yeah. Yeah, because he came out with all this anti-Semitic stuff, yeah. and it was pretty, pretty bad. By the way, you see that Kim Kardashian appears at the White House, and this is all about prison reform. We've talked about prison reform quite a bit, and I'm supportive of it. I think it's one bipartisan move that I think is a good one. There are things that must be done in with prison reform. Some of it might be decriminalizing marijuana to a certain degree. There are a lot of people right now in federal prisons, women who are in federal prison. I told you this story a while back, and I won't, have, I won't repeat it too much to any length, but I, the, the, back in the day when I was at Channel 4, they assigned me, this was towards the tail end of my career there, when I really realized that this was not, because for a while there, I was on my own. Like I would come up with my own ideas, and that's how I won all my awards and everything, with ideas of my own. I never won an award with an idea that some other person gave me. That just was the, the truth and the fact of the matter. So I knew that going into this whole thing. So when they approached me and said, and this is when they started to do more cookie-cutter stuff, and you know, the, the, the worst thing a TV station can do is hire an, a consultant because they come in and basically make you like everything, everybody else around the country. Because something works, and then suddenly the the TV industry becomes addicted to it and suddenly do have these stories about bacteria in the soft serve ice cream spouts and stupid (laughs) crap like that. And so, but that's what they do. That's how you get story after story about, you know, uh, stained hotel sheets because somebody else did it somewhere. And in fact, it got to the point where sometimes they even just present you with a VHS tape of somebody else's, story from nashville or houston or something here do this it's like it's like no not gonna do that anyway they wanted me to do a story about martha stewart and uh, and her what's her life like in prison and i was thinking to myself martha stewart and what her life is like in prison they were gonna send me all the way to west virginia for this damn thing And so I, I was more than happy to go to West Virginia. I love that part of the country and turn it into something else. And so I, I said, well, I, I said, well, I'm not. I'm, in order to save my reputation and not do a story about a day in the life of Martha Stewart, who, by the way, I thought was wrongly convicted anyway and shouldn't have been in prison to begin with, I went ahead and turned it into something else. I, and it was about who was in prison with Martha Stewart. I was more curious about who are the, all these women who are in federal prison. I mean, they have federal prisons for women all over the place. Sure. They're only only for 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 women. I think Ren Lake around in Illinois is like that. And I realized, I suddenly started to realize that a majority of these women in these prisons are women who whose boyfriends or husbands were dealing weed. And because they didn't tell the feds about it, they were automatically accessories. And they'd get like 10 years in prison, five years in prison. These were, these were moms. And, and you have to ask yourself, and I realize, you know, we are all people who want to do the right thing and, sure. and that, that kind of thing. But she, uh, these women, if you, if, let's say you have two kids and 
bozos dealing weed. Right. And it's the only thing he's doing, or you wouldn't survive economically without it or what have you. And you've got two kids or three kids or something like that. What are you going to do? Are you going to go to the authorities and report the person who's the breadwinner in the family so he goes away and you're just sitting there? No way. The likelihood is you probably are not going to do that. And even though it might be the right thing to do, the likelihood is you're thinking about your kids. And if you really were thinking about your kids, I guess technically you'd leave and wouldn't want to be mired in that. But it's not always that easy. So some of these women were complicit in it, clearly. But others were just simply because they didn't tell but knew about it, would get five years in federal prison. Not only was it also then at that point, the kids then go into foster care or whatever. So you're, you're basically just destroying an entire family at that point. Kids are going to foster care. And the women were, would be – and so Martha Stewart was among hundreds of these women, if not thousands, in this prison. And so we did a story about uh, what needs to be done in terms of reform. This was back in 2003, for crying out loud. So it's been out there. It's been, a, it's been an issue. And also the, the whole prison industry, for instance, there's, there's kind of a – there's a prison economy, so to speak, where sure. prison – like some whole towns make money off of the existence of a prison. And ultimately you have to fill that, and so there aren't many alternatives to prison. I, you know, and I get that we need to punish people. I get all that. But there's a variety of different elements to criminal justice reform that basically need to be, to be done, addressing the death penalty, which, which I'm opposed to, all those things. And it's a bipartisan thing. Bernie Carrick, who's kind of a conservative guy, has been involved with it. Obama supported it. Uh, President Trump supports it, Definitely. for crying out loud, which is why he had Kim Kardashian at the White House. And even though this is an issue that, that, that actually you think it's the one thing that most liberals would want to be on board with because there are because there are it's funny how there are lots of cross sections where conservatives and liberals kind of intersect a lot of it has to do with civil liberties and those kinds of things and you'd think that somebody like jim acosta would actually think that well this is pretty cool kim kardashian is promoting prison reform and standing up for that and she's appearing at the white house well acosta who is really annoying and not very good at what Jim Acosta is not really good at what he does. So he's kind of he's never been a key player at CNN. And and I've seen him out. I, I remember him seeing him at the, at the debate and uh, the vice presidential debate that was here. He was in town and he just he looked to me like he was the dog chained outside of a Starbucks while master was getting a latte. <laughs> he just had that kind of empty look on his face like a like a like a dog chained to a tree while his master's getting food inside. That's what he looked like to me. So the only reason he's actually in any way, shape, or form popular is because he's made an industry of attacking the president. So he, beca- so he winds up on Jimmy Kimmel's show, for Absolutely. crying out loud. You know? So this guy really, if you don't have talent, what you do is you just kind of make yourself a clown, and that's what, that's what he did here. So and, and that's what he's done, and effectively so, although not as effectively as you'd think since CNN has now lost 25% of its audience over the past year. 25%. And yet, have you seen one talent shipped out at nope. CNN? Nope. They just keep doing the same they thing do. over and over again. Like, it doesn't matter to them. 
yeah, I think they expect this will turn around. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, one more shot from Jim Costa ought to do it, right? <laughs> one more confrontation with Sarah Huckabee Sanders ought to do it. Well, here's Jim Acosta on CNN yesterday, essentially just crabbing about the fact that Kim Kardashian is at the White House. Here you go. Because seriousness, forget about the fact that Kim Kardashian is here at the White House today (laughs) and what planet that is uh, anything resembling normal, because it's not. Uh, She shouldn't be here talking about prison reform. It's very nice that she is here, but that's not a serious thing to to have happened here at the White House. Interesting how he would say that. Because uh, that pales in Because Because... She should not be here. So it's Jim Acosta who's deciding who should be here and who shouldn't be here. And when he said Kim Kardashian, you notice that Allison Camerata was like, <laughs> you know, like, oh, what a bunch of crap that is. And it's interesting because it's about criminal justice reform, which is which most reasonable people see as a legit issue. And whether it's attached to Kim Kardashian or not uh, shouldn't be something that drives him crazy. It, it, it's 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 him addressing, Trump addressing a legitimate issue with Kim Kardashian. And it's interesting, it'd be different if it were just out of the blue that he said that. But when John Legend went to the White House in 2015 to promote criminal justice reform, Jim Acosta actually sat down with him and and, and did an interview with him that where, where he where you had to get a jackhammer to lift his lips off of John Legend's ass. (laughs) I know what you're talking about. I mean, it was just yeah. unbelievable. You want to hear some of it? Oh, yes. You sound like somebody who might want to run for political office <laughs> one day. We are in Washington. I have no I interest. I have to ask the question. <laughs> I have no interest. No interest. Your reporters like me will always say, that's not a, that's not a no. That's, no, it's really a no. It's like saying, I'm not running right now. No, I don't want to ever run for political office. <laughs> Why don't you guys get a room, dude? <laughs> But that, that, that's, John, that's John Legend who went to the White House to do the exact same thing Kim, Kim Kardashian is doing. And yet, when Kim does it, and it's Trump, Jim Acosta seethes. And when Legend does it, Jim Acosta can't, can't, can't keep his lips off the guy's rear end. Do they not realize that we have tapes, that this stuff is out there to be able to compare the two next to each other? Mixing art and activism is the subject of the... Uh, I feel like my political activism can exist outside of me running for political office. Finally, you, President Obama, mm-hmm. um, how, how would you grade his presidency? Yeah, I mean, right it, 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 I I mean think, he's uh, like all over this guy, you know? Yeah, but Kim K does it. Well, there's multiple elements with the Kim K. One, they don't like the fact that they have come out in support of Trump. They don't like that. Kanye and Kim are from what we could see, consider themselves to be Republicans. They don't like Trump. So, But you're right. This is a cause that liberals say they are all about. And when Acosta pitched back to the CNN anchors, to Allison after the John Legend thing, he was like, oh, I can't tell you how, my, how I feel. Uh, you know, I, I, I will tell you one thing, though. My head's underwater, but I'm feeling fine. Back to you, Allison. <laughs> That's it's embarrassing for Jim Acosta. Who's my, a, head's, my head's up John Legend's ass, but I'm feeling <laughs> fine. He's a White House correspondent. John Legend, that's the thing, too, about John Legend is he's, he's, some of his songs are fantastic. Yeah. You know, it's like. Give credit where credit's due. Yeah. A little embarrassed yesterday. I, I found myself actually liking 
the the bed sheets smell like you song by Ed Sheeran. <laughs> oh gosh! Because it was a while back, right? And maybe it's because I'm getting more sleep or something. I don't know. <laughs> or my life is different. I'm a lot happier now. I don't know. But uh, that song used to really anger me. <laughs> <laughs> I can't listen to that. The song has odd, well, it, it, like inappropriateness throughout it. And so every time it comes on and my kids are in the car, I do have to turn that song off. Have you heard some of the lyrics? Of that? I, I have. And, and well, a lot it's of awkward. the lyrics are not very good. But um, <laughs> what's the name of the song? Uh, and then my bed sheets smell like you. Here, I'll find it. I'm not going to say it. But the, I, I tried to make the argument, because Ed Sheeran's really good. He is. Uh, but I tried to make the argument that that the bedsheet smell like you is not romantic. It's not, it's not something that you'd say to somebody. Like, uh, uh, really? Yeah. You know, the, the it's be- a, yeah. It's a, I, I don't know if is. this is a generational thing. Yeah, because they, you know, like cologne, perfume. It's like you would send a text like, hey, my bedsheets still smell like your you and your perfume like it would be a if i this is going south let me tell you something and maybe it is generational <laughs> i guess because i i don't understand because I, well first of the, the here's here's the and i don't mean to be too crabby about it because the song is good it wasn't you can tell the best place to find you can tell it wasn't written by ed sheeran because it's not typical of many of his other songs right and I think it was written by somebody else. It was written by the Beyonce or somebody like that. Okay. And so it sounds like Ed Sheeran with a big butt. <laughs> you don't think it's good for and his a wig. brand? It, it sounds like it sounds like Ed Sheeran with a big butt and hair extensions. It's a great song. But it's but I was listening to the song, the beat, and everything else. And thinking that really is is good. But the reality is, and I told the girls this, and, and I don't want to be too much of the dad lecturer person on music, you know, because I don't want to overthink stuff like Jim Acosta would, you know. But, but part of the fundamentals of the song, it, it, like, like, for instance, that part of it, like, I'm in love with your body. Like, I would, that's not a concept that I would want to transfer the kids because... When you are in love with somebody, just to be in love with an objective part of them or, or a, their body as opposed to who they are is, a, is not really how we like to develop sentimentality. Because is, is, you know, being in love with somebody's body is one thing, but being in love with somebody, period, is another. And so kind of when you're in love with a body, it's like being in love with a lamp. You know, it's kind of like, well... You kind of need to be in love with more than that, but then it got to the point of the of the bed sheets thing, and uh-huh. it just didn't sound like something like you'd never in a million years hear Sinatra say, "Hey, the bed sheets smell like you." It's like no, it just you're right, you wouldn't would, happen. Which is exactly my point. What is your point again? The generational, it's a generational thing. But you bed write, sheets have been around forever. But you it's would not like, It's not like my iPhone smells like you. But you like would you. sing about it back then. You do now. Well, it just doesn't seem like, you know. And, and are there different sheets than bed sheets? And, and, and do we call them bed sheets? Or, or, or uh, how about the, the, the sheet I wear over my head at the Klan rally smells like you? <laughs> I'm trying to figure out, like, what? 
He had to be specific. Yeah, he had to be like a bed sheet. It's like, <laughs> well, is there another sheet? Like a, is there a chair sheet? Is there a, you know what I mean? I but anyway. Anybody else listening to this dissects a song to the level. <laughs> well, I just, you know, I, first of all, like, it's different than, uh, than th- like this song, which is, which is one of the most perfectly written songs, in my opinion, ever. It's a great song. I mean, like, like for instance, in my opinion, this is one song Sinatra couldn't in a million years write or feel, for that matter. Even though I thought he was a very romantic singer. Yeah. But he was more of the old school, fly me to the moon, that kind of thing yeah. guy, you know. No, that is a great song. But this is a hell of a song it right is. here. So, 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 so that's why it was, the other one didn't seem like Ed Sheeran to me. Well, see, Jamie, you got to set it up right. Like, that would be like the date, like the romantic date. Like, Ed is playing this like a relationship, right? You've got that song, which would be like your dinner date song. Then the other song would be more of like the, you know, Hookup song. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, oh yeah. No, I know. I think it's pretty clear that this. <laughs> you know, it's a. How long did it take you to come with that? Up with that See, whole I mean, analysis? Listen, I don't. <laughs> I don't just. You really studied these songs, Ryan. <laughs> yeah, I think the bedsheet smell like you song is more of a hookup song, and you look perfect is more of a date song. It's like, great, good. Yeah, that's Anything my recording. Yeah, right. <laughs> but. I don't know. How did we get on that? I did. We you, you went from Kim K to Ed. No, we went from Kim K to to Jim Acosta. <laughs> yes. We flipped him in there, <laughs> and then we, and then we did the. Uh, yeah. Anyway, but uh, we were, it was about John Legend and his song. Ah, that's... And, and but but last night I'm driving around with the kids and I'm hearing the Ed Sheeran "Shape of You" song. I'm thinking that's pretty actually pretty good. good never song. mind. Yeah. Yeah. Never mind. All right, we got a national anthem there? Oh, yes, we do. We come back, uh, we've got a ton to talk about, uh, including the national coverage. So, so the Eric Wrighton story made national news, and we have a little tip-off t- as to how, uh, how ultimately that was covered. Also, we have an interesting little bit from a group called Telemundo who has now declared that the Pope is pro-gay. Just, just so you guys know, based on some of those comments, uh, we have, and also we have a uh, little bit regarding uh, mass shootings and the facts around mass shootings and what guns were actually have been used in mass shootings. As a rule, we'll focus on that. And also, there's videotape now of the Parkland shooter, who has come out and basically all but in, in the tape, he's all but declaring that this is what he's, uh, he's going to be doing. And also Alveda King, of course, who is the uh, daughter uh, of uh, uh, Martin Luther King, is out there now telling Starbucks that she has another plan for them to end racism. So we're going to talk about that because this is a pretty big deal. She's pro-life, and so you can imagine the direction uh, she's going with that. So without further ado... Ladies and gentlemen, our national anthem. Honor freedom. Let's join the award-winning RCA recording artist, Martina McBride, for the singing of our national anthem. Oh, sweet. 
twilight's last gleaming, whose broad stripes and bright stars through the perilous fight or the ramparts we watched were so gallantly streaming.
Good morning, everyone, and happy Thursday to all of you. Jimmy Hoff's going to be on the way in just a little bit. Also, we're going to have Doug Giles joining us. Kind of, we're going to preview the uh, events of the weekend of June 8th and 9th. It's going to be great. Lots of people chiming in on Facebook. Oh, yeah. From places unknown or known. Known. Vacations. Perdido Key, Florida? How would you like to be there right now? That's the great thing about the Radio Free Almond is that you can actually take it with you anywhere. And you can listen to it and watch it anywhere. We had yesterday thousands of people watching the Facebook feed. Yeah. I mean, I don't know whether you all don't keep numerics and analytics, and I get that. And we do, though, just to kind of track what's going on. And it's it's incredible. I don't know whether it's just the the vibe of the video itself, or whether it's the well. Uh, hopefully, it's the show. <laughs> but I'm just saying, it's a different way. It's 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 a lot stronger of a commitment than dinosaur radio is. And and the the great thing about the numbers that we're getting. And again, I never talked about ratings when I was at Dinosaur Radio because it doesn't matter to you. It matters about the quality of what you're hearing and what you're listening to. So that's not important to you necessarily. But just as a, as a screenshot of what you are part of when you're listening to Radio Free Almond, you are part of a huge number of people who are purposely committing. They're not just popping into a car and flipping on a station casually. You are committing yourself to the product, and you are purposely turning your computer on or popping up your app or downloading your app or getting it on Facebook, whatever. And so you are part of, like, a huge number of people who have really changed a lot of their listening habits and how they consume radio and everything else. And and, and once we start to get a little few more advertisers, which we're doing now. I've, I've, although a lot of this stuff is kind of tied up in court, so it's not a big, it's not a big deal to you. That's not a big deal to you either. I, it's not going to change. It's not going to be like we're going to go into, you know, 10, 15-minute long stop sets, they call them, where you're just going to hear a bunch of ads back-to-back. Uh, we're going to be able to do it more surgically uh, and effectively for the for the advertiser but also more uh, a better experience for you uh, because because really what a lot of dinosaur radio is is it, it's it's a dumpster it's just it's, as a it's it it's just terrible. is it, it's so littered with and cluttered with crap i remember listening to you on dinosaur radio thinking man i, I literally remember because i would i would talk to naputi about it and i was like gosh if he only knew, because at the time we were, you know, we knew each other, but we really weren't doing it. I was like, if he only knew, he should be on Facebook with this message and like broadcasting and like across, you know, they're not doing anything with replays and, and, and iTunes. And I was just like, there are thousands of people that need to hear what you yeah. have that 
you were reaching like, not that you were doing a bad job, but you were just reaching, you could have been reaching so many more people. Right. And, and, and we are now. Uh, and and yeah. so it's, it's really a cool vibe, and I hope we can all celebrate it on the weekend of the 8th and 9th with our big uh, Warrior of the Wild Man Radio Free Almond Throwdown Palooza right there at beautiful Discovery Design. And we are in the Discovery Design studio, just so happens. So if you are in the business of manufacturing, building, whatever you're doing, you need a truck, Discovery Design has it for you. And then the 8th, we're going to have the book signing and everything else. But yeah, it's part of a cool vibe. We got our bumper stickers in. Don't forget, you can get the, the gear at uh, RadioFreeAlmond.com because we still have the hats and the shirts and all that kind of stuff. And we'll have that all out there for you as well. You like this? You like Art Blakey, do you? I like the vibe of it playing while we talk. Yeah. <laughs> like we're in yeah. a Yaz bar. Because we're not really at a, we're not really in a, it, it's, it's kind of a texture thing. It's kind of like, you know, we're just, yeah, we're we're just talking yeah, about just stuff. So yeah, it's good to have little Wynton Marsalis with Art Blakey and the Jazz Messengers. I mean, you don't get much better than that when all of them are together. Got a few people chiming in on our conversation about the Ed Sheeran song, which is really, honestly, I mean, Vicky was kind of crabby, but she said, you know, <laughs> it's just a song, move on. It's like, well, I'll dictate where we move here, dear heart. I just want to let you know. I love your comments, but don't tell me what to do. I haven't come this far to have Vicky telling me what to do. <laughs> I'm just kidding, Vicky. Just know, know your place. Just kidding. I'm trying to be, trying to be Dude, no, romantic, like you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then Julie said, "Well, the bed sheet smelled like it was kind of hot, though." She's like, "That's so, what okay, I was trying I got you. to." I mean, you I, I'm with you. Yeah. Here's the deal, though. If you're a guy, uh huh, and I hear you tell my daughter that you're in love with her body, okay. I'm, I'm sending you away. I get it. Just telling you, different game. Just an old school thing for different me. Different game. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I'm, I'm no prude by any stretch of the imagination. I'm just telling you. That you have to get over, though, when your daughter's, like, 30 years old. I do? You have to understand that she's going to have a marriage and a, a husband, and he's, you know. Well, I'll tell you one thing. If you're just in love with her body. Well, I get it. I get it. You're, that, that marriage isn't going to, you're not going to be. I want to be gonna, in love that's with not, both. Exactly. I, yes. You know. Because I don't want them looking elsewhere. Right. It's like my, my grandmother telling me one time that uh, that I couldn't, you, you, that I couldn't. I, I told her I, I loved her rhubarb pie, and she said, "You can't love a, a, a yeah, a, can't love a pie. You only love people." I go, "I get it, but I do love the pie. It's really good." <laughs> so I get that whole love with your body thing. <laughs> all right. So and, and Vicky, I'm kidding you. So don't get. I hope she doesn't get all mad. I was just teasing no. her about that. You know, we're just jousting like yes. we always do. You guys know me. Although that's a new name, so I'm so that's another example of where people have come into the show, who otherwise weren't even listening to the Dinosaur Radio Show, who are now here with us and hanging out because they like the whole, the whole vibe. I like that. All right, so you see this study here conducted by the Rockefeller Institute. Okay, so this is not just like somebody who's attempting to jack up some stats when it comes to guns and that kind of thing. So the Rockefeller Institute of Government shows that mass shooters actually chose handguns over assault weapons by a three-to-one margin. Now, you'd think that the people who are chiming in about gun control 
are saying, uh, thinking that the AR-15 is the cause of all mass shootings and all kinds of things like that. But the reality is handguns are more widely used by mass shooters and assault weapons, as they call them are, which I don't even like that term. But nonetheless, just for the sake of this particular deal, I think we, we, can, we can just assume that that's the terminology they're using. So uh, the, it completely runs counter to this claim that we have to go in and change all our gun laws because of the use of these weapons. Now, it's true they're used. The larger ones are used. And it's true you can kill more people with the larger ones. But the reality is if you're really, if you're really concerned about mass shootings, because, because Democrats really don't seem to be too concerned about mass shootings, uh, uh, individual shootings, and again, as I pointed out earlier in the week, you kind of, in order for ha- to have the anti-gun nuts care about you in any way, you, have, you must die in a group. You cannot die alone on the streets of the inner city. Uh, like most, unfortunately, black Americans who are murdered do die. Uh, you must die in a group. And, and if you're in a suburban white high school, you're even more important. So you, you're, your level of importance goes up. To, to the point where you actually can, at that point, wander into a Publix and, and lie in the produce section, and nobody will do anything to you at all, even though you're trespassing, breaking the law. You suddenly have this, this pristine glow oh, yeah. around you once you're part of that certain fraternity, so to speak. But if you're just a poor black guy on the street, robbed over five bucks, pity you. Don't even right? have a name. Pity yep. you. So uh, they examined a 50-year window of time. So this is over 50 years from 1966 to 2016. They determined a total of 340 mass shootings occurred in the U.S. They found that attackers used a single weapon roughly two-thirds of the time and used multiple weapons 32% of the time. And they discovered that handguns were far and away the number one choice for mass shooters. Handguns were used 75% of the time. That, that even surprises me. Because, I, 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 and, and again, I'm not, I don't believe all the propaganda from the anti-gun people, but that even kind of surprises me that 75% of the time handguns were used. Rifles, 28% of the time. Shotguns, 17% of the time. And the, the, people are going, well, wait a minute, I'm doing all the math here, and that adds up to more than 100%. What, what's going on here? Well, because sometimes more, more than one weapon was oh, used okay. in, in the whole thing. So um, if you are doing the math, you're far smarter than me. I wouldn't even bother doing the math. <laughs> like, I would be listening to this Sick. just simply saying, oh, he did that. But, but there are people out there. Oh, yeah. I love these people, too, because... Oftentimes, first of all, they make you smarter. So people listening out there, there'll be somebody who says, that's more than 100% how that happened. And, and they, they, but for them, they're hearing numbers, and they, they can add it right off the bat. <laughs> Not me. Like yesterday, you and I, <laughs> I was asking, it was like dumb and dumber. I was going, what's uh, two, 2004 minus... 1989. It's, yeah. like, like, you know, it's like some people just like a curse, and then like right off I the know. bat, it's like boom, boom. I don't know how people do that. I had to get a calculator out. <laughs> I was horrible in math. Same here. The only thing I was really good at was uh, I was good at geometry. 
And the reason why I was good at geometry is because there are words involved in geometry where you have, you know, axioms and things mm. like that. And I was good at, at the statistic stuff and, and, and the reasoning stuff because it had words to it. But you throw a number in front of my face, I'm, I'm, I'm like a, a blind bat. <laughs> I think they know that. Yeah, numbers just confound me. Yeah, I never could figure out, and I always act. I always claimed that. Well, why? What am I going to use a square root ever? Same here. But apparently, people do use square root. Like when you're an engineer and stuff like oh, that. Oh well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, keep in mind when I was thirteen and fourteen, the the word engineer never entered my vocabulary. <laughs> Opposite of our personalities, I believe. Somehow there was, I, I think when I was born, God whispered in my ear, you're never going to be an engineer. You know that, don't you? <laughs> don't get your little baby eyes all wide like you're going to be an engineer or something. Building bridges. Yeah. Because, <laughs> you know, even if you do build that, you know what's going to happen. Barack Obama's going to come in and say, you didn't build that. Somebody else made that happen. So, just so you know. From God. Yes. Now go back to pooping and peeing in your diaper. <laughs> I'll see you later on. Yeah, so I was never even close to that whole thing. Anyway, back to handguns. Mm-hmm. Boy, we need, we need, some, we need like, a, a, like a, a traffic cop in here. <laughs> I agree. With a whistle. <laughs> Over there, handguns. Back to handguns. I tried to do that to you a couple times, and you're just like, nope, Ryan, I circle, <laughs> and I come back. I do. You do have to give me credit for actually eventually circling back. It's amazing. Right. I think for sure he, there's no way it's been 15 <laughs> minutes. There's no way he, he remembers, remembers where, where he was. was. <laughs> That's one thing I do, I do know. You is do. I, I can get back to where I need yeah. to be eventually once, I, once I'm <laughs> you know, not distracted by all the, all the little shiny baubles. I'm still smarter than a bass, though. Mm -hmm. Just telling you. All right. In light of the finding, the researchers urged all of you out there to go beyond your emotions, go beyond your knee-jerk reactions about mass shootings, and deal with the issues and the, and the pathologies around the mass shootings. And when we say path I've been I've been harping on this for heaven knows how long. That again, it's it's not the guns. It's the pathologies surrounding the guns. Keep in mind, the United States is the, the the number of guns people have in this country is amazing. It's a beautiful thing. But if guns were really the problem, you'd have just carnage everywhere. But you don't. You only have murder and mayhem in certain parts of the country, certain parts of a state, and indeed even certain parts of a city. And why is it that you, you don't get that? Why is it that you can't figure that out? That, and that will lead you to the pathologies surrounding the killings and, 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 and the shootings. That will lead you to the answers when you find out where the shootings are occurring. And unfortunately what happens is because for instance, white liberals who are the most voracious about gun control 
don't normally live where there are there is violence. They have the luxury of just simply navel gazing at the typical Democrat liberal anti-gun gun control meme because it's first of all it's easier and they don't have to really work very hard to change the true reasons why people are killing each other and why people are are dying at the level they are. I mean it's kind of sad that it's in a way that for instance I go to Chicago quite a bit. My son lives in Chicago. I love Chicago. And the sad thing is I'm not scared at all to go to Chicago. Because sadly I know that the people who are being murdered in Chicago live in like three different neighborhoods that I never even go near. Right. That I never even wander by. Yep. And yet I am more concerned about them than a white liberal is who's talking about gun control. Because I'm at least identifying that there are places where death is just part of life, where gunfire and shootings are just run-of-the-mill in, in everybody's life. There, there, are, there are places in St. Louis where, and if you have children, this should be de- devastating to you. There are places in St. Louis where children at night Sleep under windowsills pur- purposely, yep. So that so that a bullet doesn't come through the window and kill them, because that's an actual concern, right? That, that that's a normal, average, everyday concern. I'll never forget one time going on a drive along, as ride we along. called them, with the ride along with with the uh, yeah, because they wouldn't let me drive. <laughs> Hey, I'm going on a drive-along with you police officers. <laughs> no, you're not. It's called a ride-along. You're in the driver's seat. Yeah, sure, Alman. We're going to have you grab the steering wheel of the cop car. <laughs> It'll be great. No, so it's a ride-along. So, so we're driving with these undercover guys, and they're, they're part of the crack team. And Ron Clyer, who's a great guy, I actually heard from him not too long ago. Uh, that was back in the day when they had a street team. And these guys would walk around. That was back in the day when crack was a real problem. And that, and the post dispatch. It got to the point where even the post had this countdown on their front pages of homicides. So you'd have like the, you'd have like a homicide uh, tally every day. They put it up on the front page, and so we would wander around with these undercover guys and watch what they do. And, and actually, back in the day, if you were three black dudes on a street corner. These guys would stop and ask you what the hell you were doing, which which nowadays maybe wouldn't be necessarily permissible. It does happen still, by the way, but it wouldn't be generally permissible. But nonetheless, it is something they did. And after a while, these guys resolved a lot of crime because 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 the only way you're really going to change violence is by arresting these people and putting them in jail for crimes that they commit. The only way you're going to actually get rid of these people is by convincing the public, for instance, that live in these neighborhoods, that the people who they're reporting and who they're telling on aren't going to show back up in their neighborhood three days later. You wonder why you don't get prosecutions in this, in this mm-hmm. city and why you don't get people who are true, why you don't end the cycle 
is because now people don't even talk to the cops anymore, won't report people. You know, this whole see something, say something thing is is people laugh out loud yes. in inner city neighborhoods when you, when they're told that because they know if they see something and they say something, the cops arrest the guy, and two days later, there's the guy mm-hmm. right down the street. Absolutely. And a lot of that has to do, too, with a poor conviction rate. It has to do with uh, Kim Gardner's office, who is, which is horrible. And unlike her predecessor, uh, Jennifer Joyce, they, when they, there are gun laws in place. There are laws that give you more prison time if you commit a crime with a gun. And yet it's the first charge to go out in a plea bargain. It's the first thing you could get upwards of forty years tacked onto a, a prison sentence when you're when you use a gun, but we just don't enforce those laws. We don't we don't put, put teeth in them. And then once they kick that out, and if it was drug related, they send them to it's called drug court. Yeah, and drug court is like supervised probation. Well, they were trying to they were trying to minimize the fact uh, that that for instance there were people going to prison for a bag of weed. Yes. I think that was that was the initial thing. Uh but but now it has turned into a little bit more that and now now people with who are dealers are getting away with it. So imagine living in an area. So we're we're with these guys and we're driving around doing doing patrolling and that kind of thing and and, and just following along with them. And they uh they we turn a corner and we're in at this point. We're in these undercover pickup trucks. Although I was always wondering how they did this because these pickup trucks are are were like brand new. They, <laughs> so they stood out like us. They, they, they kind of did, but but also back in the time though, uh, drug dealers those kind of thing always had brand new trucks. You know, sure. So they so it wasn't necessarily beyond the realm of comprehension. So, but what one one thing I noticed is that we would turn the corner of a street. And the minute you turn the corner of a street, you would just watch people on porches run pell-mell into their house because they didn't know who you were. And they were so used to trucks or whatever else turning a corner, and suddenly gunfire comes out of the, the trucks. And they're used to that. So if they, didn't, if they, don't, if they can't ID you right away, uh, the minute they see it, they're running into their homes. Now imagine where you live having to deal with that every day where you're just trying to mind your own business, maybe even sitting on your porch, and every time a car came by that you didn't know, there was a strong likelihood in your mind that gunfire was going to come out of the car. Unimaginable. Right. But that's how people live every single day. 10 miles from here, five, well, I, I think I'm overstating it, five miles from here, whatever. Every single day, people live like that. Every single night, there are kids who, and just take a look at your 10-year-old or your 8-year-old or whatever, your 5-year-old. There are kids who have to sleep under windowsills because of gunfire. That's not a gun problem. You take the guns away, yeah, I guess an errant bullet wouldn't come through a window if there were no guns in existence. But half the time, imagine also living in these neighborhoods and not having a gun. 
Yeah. I- I- imagine not only running into your house after you see a, s- a strange car, but then not being able to defend yourself just in case somebody came into that that house from the from the from the car that was in question. So, uh, you ha- why are these people turning around and shooting somebody else? Uh, and turning corners. Why was that bartender at the bar in Soulard shot to death hours after celebrating his birthday? He was being robbed. Why was he being robbed? Because there are individuals here who don't have money, who don't have jobs, and don't have a stake in the economy. Yeah, there's always going to be a criminal. There's always going to be somebody who just, instead of working, will decide to rob people. But I'm, but I'm telling you, and this isn't some kind of liberal, uh, weak little thing about robbery. People who steal and rob and deal drugs are doing so in the absence of other things no doubt. that they can do. And while, yeah, there's always going to be that guy, because just much like there's always going to be that guy standing at the exit, for, and that confounds me to this day is who these people are standing at the exit with a side, cardboard side wanting spare change when they could easily, or maybe not so easily, but they, they could easily go someplace and, and, and work. You know, like, uh, and Starbucks could do a lot. You know, Starbucks is uh, they're, they're a big liberal organization, and they're the first ones to talk about the need for gun control and to end racism. But two homeless guys might pop into their place. Why don't you offer them a job? Right. Yeah, and instead they'll train them on how to handle them. Instead yeah. Of, Here, give them a job. Why, 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 don't you, why, don't you, why don't you give them a job and, and, and pay them money to take out the trash or do whatever or what, what, whatever you're going to do? Give them a job. Offer them a job. But see, in, in the world of liberal think, we must then, like a homeless person, it doesn't occur to you when a liberal sees a homeless person, it doesn't occur to them to say, uh, or and they walk into their establishment, it doesn't occur to them to, to try to do something constructive. Right. They just have to figure out some way to manage them yeah. so that there's no disruption in their homelessness. Yeah. And that's the problem. That's why the economy and a focus on the economy is so damn important when it comes to uh, truly solving the real problems surrounding crime. Yeah, I mean, because you hit, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, here... I live in absolute, you know, uh, neighborhood, suburban neighborhood, and I know every single house has a gun, probably multiple, yet you don't have rampant crime. In fact, you have none. You have zero crime in my neighborhood. Nobody's just running and grabbing guns and shooting each other. That doesn't happen. Yet we probably have as many, if not more guns than a uh, neighborhood in North County. Yeah. That's why you have to focus on the true roots of crime and, and why people do mass shootings. Most of those people are just sick people, and, and, and the common thread is always that they have been basically ignored. Nobody asked any questions. In some cases, even with the Parkland shooter, Nicholas Cruz, who you're going to actually hear from. I, I, I do this not to be gratuitous and not to romanticize this guy, but to give you another example of a person who basically no one paid attention to when clearly he was disturbed. Police were called to his house constantly, and the school itself, this particular school district, was 
the minted this concept of don't report bad kids because if you report bad kids or you get them kind of on the books, then you're not going to get federal funding. And that and Nicholas Cruz is a great example of that people blame Obama for that for that policy, but it, that was not Obama's policy. It was originally in that school district, although Obama's education department adopted it all throughout the country. Okay. So many schools have adopted that very same thing where they're hiding troubled kids because they don't want to be jeopardized in terms they have to keep a certain level of yep. excellence or whatever you want to call it to be able to get federal funding. So here's the kid. He's he's being, you know. Hello. My name is Nick and I'm going to be the next school shooter of 2018. My goal is at least 20 people with an AR-15 and a couple tracer rounds. I think I can do a good done. Location is Stone Douglas in Parkland, Florida. It's going to be a big event. And when you see me on the news, you'll all know who I am. <laughs> so, what's going on there? Well, first of all, you have a, a, a sick kid who has already indicated to people around him this kind of proclivity. So so this 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 video is really nothing new except that it's actually on video, but it's nothing new to people who knew about him. No, he left a comment on YouTube that said he was going to do a school shooting, but the FBI when they reported it said how oh, we just can't get his we just don't know who it is that left the comment. They just didn't do the work. Yeah. And and you also can't take away the fact that part of that in him was saying, "Hey, uh I'm a, you're going to see me on the news. And mm-hmm. there are, I can't say for a fact, obviously, because I don't know, but a lot of these are just all just copycat. These kids have seen the coverage. They know what happens when somebody shoots up a school. That person becomes basically an automatic celebrity. Mm-hmm. And it creates such a stir and such a big deal that they become the focal point. They become notorious. And, and, and that's what they like. Because when I listen, I, actually, I listened to those videos last night, and there's a whole string of those videos yeah. that he did. And so many times, and he says it in there, nobody cares about me. Right. Nobody loves me. Nobody, they don't even know I exist. And he's crying for how, I mean, the, that's where it tears, like as a, somebody who, I'm a churchgoer, and it's like those are that's why we have churches and, and, and community organizations and stuff like that to get these people and show them. Because if that kid just knew that somebody did love him, his parents, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what that yeah. home. I mean, if if anything, you should have parents that love him. Right. <laughs> You're all going to die. Oh, yeah. Can't wait. So one of the things, though, I, I will divert a little bit from you on that, and that is that there, also in the aftermath of this, there were, ki- he, there were claims that he was bullied or that he was this and he was that. And that may be true, but, or it may be true that some kids just didn't pay attention to him or didn't, you know, whatever. But they're not to blame for 
what happened. That, that, that's, no. that, that's, they're not, because there are a lot of kids who are bullied and, and there are a lot of things happening who don't go out and just shoot people. But the fact of the matter is this guy was the, – the pathology surrounding his life mm-hmm. was, was right there in the wide open. I mean it was right there in the wide open. I mean this kid this – kid, and, 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 and again, keep in mind too, his mother had just passed away. Yeah. Uh, and, and, but but there, were, there, there were people who took him in who were like, hey, uh, make sure your guns are in a ca- – I mean it's just the stupidest adults – See, that's what I'm saying. I'm not, in the world. I'm not, uh, when I said that statement, I'm certainly not making excuses for oh, the yeah, behavior yeah, by yeah. any means. But because uh, I think you're, you're, you're spot on. It's multiple elements there. Like you said, the adults that are now in his life are just, what the hell are they doing? Right. And, and, and believe me, one way or the other, this person would have wound up doing what he was doing, whether he had a... 20-round thing or a two-round thing. Or a knife. He was gonna, or a knife or whatever. But, but, but keep in mind, this is, this is not a gun problem here. And you just said with all the t- tapes you watched and everything else, and this tape in general, this is not a gun problem. This is a sickness problem. It's a heart problem. Exactly. This, this is, and, and yet this person, though, is getting more attention from the left wing than... The 40 people individually killed in Chicago. That's because if, you, if the left wing had to focus on resolving that problem, they would have to change the entirety of their politics. They would have to change the entirety of their political theology, so to speak, which is tax and spend, tax and spend, uh, artificially increase wages through minimum wage, do all this kind of thing, but never really truly grow an economy. And uh, in large part, and again, I'm not blaming every murder on a Democrat here. That's not what I'm saying. But there are solutions. There are policies that can be in place that grow an economy, that create new stakeholders in the economy, and, and you indeed can grow and prosper to the point where you can minimize the desperation, which is clearly out there. And you and you can and you can do something about it. My sense is cynically that there are a lot of people out there on the left wing whose idea of government as a provider, mm-hmm. uh, th- as opposed to a grower or a uh, or a teacher like the the, the teach the man to fish, biblically yes. a part of it. They 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 want the government. They want people to be dependent on them. They want to be relevant. They want people to be dependent on government because that's their industry that's their thing and so the more they can just simply try to uh pacify people with handouts and pacify people with blame pacify people with charges of racism because ultimately what what happens when you declare when we when you get into this whole deal about uh racism and you get into the whole deal about white privilege and that kind of thing, what you're doing is you're creating an excuse for loads of people, including politicians, to not do anything about the problem. How is it possible that that a tweet from Roseanne Barr mm-hmm. starts the wheels rolling for this national conversation about racism? 
why is it that you can't have a national conversation instead of about a tweet about from Roseanne Barr about growing an economy and creating more people who will take part in the economy? Why isn't that ever a national conversation? Instead, somehow Roseanne Barr and her ape comment, that's the reason why we have so much trouble in this country right. and why people are impoverished and there's desperation, why people aren't educated and why people aren't doing this and why people aren't doing that. And it just becomes another way for the left and, inter- and indeed the media even to just kind of ignore the problems that are right in front of them or in their backyard. By the way, did you see Lida Krusen? Yeah. <laughs> what they did to her after yeah. she dared remotely praise Eric Greitens? Not good. We'll talk about that in just a little bit. Plus, we'll take your phone calls. What's our number there, Ryan? Jay Cox. I know, I do. Hold on. Hang on, sorry. Just probably keep that up. 314-462-2772. 314-462-2772. Good morning this morning, everybody. It's Radio Free Almond.
So the comments are going nuts over there on our Facebook page. We appreciate you guys all chiming in on a lot of people talking about the mental health issue. Yeah. A lot of people talking about how individuals are just ignoring the problem altogether, that they have felt like the deaths in Chicago are just to be expected part of everyday life. And it's easy to think that way, especially when you have a situation where you have them all pocketed in one place. And so you could basically rope that place off and not have to really do anything about it. And to me, President Trump is doing more to resolve that kind of issue, especially the economic issue, than any president had before. And, and all you have to do is look at the numbers of unemployed blacks in this country where they are at the lowest they have been in history. Right. And what is, what do you think, like, for instance, I'm looking at this bit from Joy Reid. So the minute after Roseanne Barr does her ape tweet, which is, first of all, it's Roseanne Barr. She's a goofball as it is. And she had a television show that should not have been canceled. But she said something really stupid because obviously comparing a black person to an ape is not something defensible in any way. But it's Roseanne Barr, people. <laughs> this, this isn't a time for Don Lemon and Al Sharpton and Van Jones and MSNBC to start grabbing their armaments and fighting r- invisible problems like racism in America. I'm not saying there isn't racism, but come on. A town hall by, by baseball, Joy Reid. So it's apparently okay to be black and hate gays. Yeah. Because right. that, that's apparently not bigoted, which is how MSNBC, with a straight friggin' face, can have Joy Reid co-host an MSNBC town hall event called Everyday Racism in America. So they're having a town hall on bigotry Tuesday night. And she's co-hosting the thing. This is the woman who, well, maybe she's changed her tune because old writings and things like that indicate that she's one of the most bigoted, anti-gay people on earth, if you just read her stuff. So Joy Reid, though, they can do that and and with a straight face say, yeah, uh, Joy, tell us all about bigotry. Wag your finger at white people and tell them how bigoted they are. It's, It's unbelievable how not only hypocritical, but how these people can do this with impunity, where there's, there's n- nobody ever calls them on it. Well, some people do, because obviously uh, there were some people who wrote about this. But what is more, what is more racist in, in your mind? Ignoring rampant death or trying to do something about it. Ignoring rampant death in your own community and trying to do something, as opposed to trying to do something about it. So to me, and I'll go, I'll go deeper on this, and Jimmy Hoff's going to join us in just about 10 minutes, by the way. I'll go deeper on this. If, if you're sitting back and doing nothing but running your fat friggin' mouth on TV, MSNBC, CNN, about how racist everybody is, while ignoring 
murder after murder after murder in the black community. You're the one who apparently has less concern about blacks than other people do. You're the one, I wouldn't necessarily say that's racist, but it certainly is the GW version of soft bigotry of low expectations <laughs> where you, where if you're like black people in the media and in government, for them, apparently there is an acceptable level of death. That, that, that there, there is an acceptable level of murder in their minds before they actually do anything about it. And so far, we know the acceptable level. Here, I'll go to Hey Jackass again. You go to Hey Jackass. I'll tell you what the acceptable levels for, the, for, for Don Lemon uh, and, and, and Joy Reid and Al Sharpton. I'll tell, you what the, I'll tell you what the acceptable levels are. Because it doesn't fit their narrative. The acceptable level for uh, black activists in media and beyond is apparently so far year to date, 168 murders. That's the acceptable level. And let's see shot and wounded 872. So total shot, the acceptable level of shootings for Al Sharpton and Barack Obama and Rahm Emanuel, who happens to be the mayor of Chicago and Joy Reid, and Don Lemon. The acceptable level of shootings we know so far is 1,040, just in Chicago. So if you want to go to every city, I don't know the numbers in St. Louis right now because we need a hey jackass site in St. Louis is what we do, we need. So write that down too. Another idea. Another idea. Aside from my my Planet of the Apes app where you can actually Mm -hmm. turn yourself into an ape. If you want to, which I, I actually think I'm, the more I think about that, which I haven't given it much thought since I mentioned it, it's a great idea. Nowadays, with all the ways you can, you can, you can use your, you take your pictures yeah. of yourself and change yourself into something. I, I, although I, find, I, I wonder, is that, is that trademarked? Well, it would probably just be brought into Snapchat. And that's, see, this is where, like, you would come up with an app, and then everyone would be like, well, that's a really stupid idea, because all you'd have to add is a Snapchat filter. But, see, you wouldn't probably know on the Snapchat. Well, see, filter. I would like to know what I would look like as a ape in Planet of the Apes. Submit it to Snapchat. You can do it. I mean, I think I'd probably look a little like Roddy McDowell, <laughs> since you really can't tell except for the eyes. But I think everybody really everybody has. If you were part a, a uh, ape in Planet of the Apes, you notice everybody had kind of like a. Even though they were apes, they had kind of a a look. Planet of the Apes. If remind me again, there's a bigger like moral story to Planet of the Apes, right? Yes. Yeah, it's like uh, it's more than just apes taking over, right? Well, yeah. Part of it is the part of it is don't let apes take over. That's the moral. But beyond story. that, yes. <laughs> There was a like a bigger like yeah I can't remember I just okay. I remember it was in the seventies and there was a there was a baby chimp ape shot one mm-hmm. that, that bothered me a lot and there was uh, a, there was yeah. another there was another ape that was going mama mama I don't know I don't know what that was all about either <laughs> but I just remember it was very disturbing the whole <laughs> thing was like really disturbing. But aside from my plan of the APEP, I do, I do think we all also develop a Hey Jackass. This Hey Jackass site is really great in Chicago. Uh, it only covers Chicago deaths, but they ought to have a, they ought to have a Hey Jackass uh, 
site that, that covers that, that goes state by or city they, by city. I just looked it up. There, there are there. Uh, they have one for Detroit, one for Baltimore. So they may be one for. We yeah, we St. haven't Lewis. we we haven't oh Hold there on. is Hold on. We haven't rated yet in Hey Jackassery. We need to, we need to elevate our, ourselves to Hey Jackassery importance. <laughs> okay. I love yeah. how I love how they have a separate thing here. And again, I'm not making light of death. You, you know who's making light of murder and death? Joy Reid and Al Sharpton and Don Lemon by by blaming you for the murder. By, by blaming you for black violence and black death in the inner, inner cities, they're the ones who don't care about who making light of, the, of true mayhem and true horror. Not me. Every time Don Lemon runs his fat mouth about how racist Donald Trump is, it's another example of how he's making light of murder in the inner cities. It, just think about it that way. You need to kind of recalibrate your thinking when you're looking at these idiots out there claiming that there's racism everywhere you turn. They're just, they're just stalling so they don't have to deal with the real problem. You want the acceptable level for Al Sharpton and Don Lemon and Joy Reid are uh, May to date? 41 murders. So, so that's their acceptable. Just if you want to go month by month as to what their acceptable levels of death is. I love how they also, these stats are just unbelievable. I haven't changed much since I read them last time. They, this is Memorial Day weekend. And this is funny because on the one hand, it's really sad to go to heyjackassdad.com. Did you find out whether there's a I, St. Louis version? No, there okay. isn't. Well, we need one. I know. Hey, Jackass. Slash St. Louis. We need to develop that site. But here, here is what it says here on this site. And again, this, this site isn't mocking or celebrating the genocide that's occurring in, in, a, in our inner cities. But it's genocide at the hands of the same race. The weekend, I'm reading from this now. The weekend marks the start of the annual summer shooting season. Similar to last year, we'll expect to see around 250 homicides and additional 1,000 shot and wounded between now and Labor Day weekend. Unbelievable. It's it's as predictable as the sun rising, the murders in Chicago. They can map this out and tell you what's going to happen. And yet, for some reason, left wing politicians. Black activist news anchors will do nothing about it. They'll they'll just sit there and talk about the shooting, and they'll they'll even avoid it to the point where where they'll they'll actually be more concerned about white kids dying in a high school than they are about their own race dying in the inner city. You you think you think that the the, the and, and and that's is that not true? No, it is. It is. Is it shocking re- to you that I say that? It. Yeah, because and now you've been up in Chicago, so I'm sure you've watched the news. I mean, do they report on it? Like, you know, oh, I mean, they don't even buy right now. I mean, look, look at what's happening in the look. Look at the Post Dispatch. I will say that I'm on S, I'm on St. Louis Post Dispatch's website, and there is I'm looking at a homicide map, and they do have it. It's mapped out. Looks like real time. No, this was 2017, so it's not real time. 
So we have so so there is a homicide map. Yeah, but 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 if but if you but if you really looked at the way things were reported, right, and and and, and the way things were treated in at level of importance. You could come to the conclusion that Don Lemon, Joy Reid, Al Sharpton, Barack Obama when he was president, they were more concerned about the loss of life in a suburban white high school than they are about the loss of life in the black communities of the inner city. Their own race dying in front of their faces, and yet they're more concerned about that. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't be concerned about white high school students or what have you. I'm not, I'm not saying you should just ignore all of that at all. What I'm saying is that the way they're talking, you don't, you don't hear a word from them about this. This is Obama's hometown, for crying out loud. Do you think it's just because, it, again, it goes back to it doesn't fit their narrative? I, of, course, of course it is. Be, it just, because, because, because it's so much easier to blame the white guy than to deal with the problem. It's so much easier to look at President Trump and just simply call him a racist. You, and it's, it's actually because he's white. Oh, yeah. It's, it's not because of any of his policies, because his policies can't be viewed as racist. So it's so easy to call. I mean, listen, the, the Democrats have more regard for MS-13 gang members mm-hmm. than they do for the 168 shot and killed in the city of Chicago. All black, or mostly black. Like, like they'll help. They hold news conferences defending MS thirteen gang members before they hold news conferences saying something has to change in the black community. And you know what has to change in the black community? The same thing that we have to change in the white community: grow the economy, come up with policies that uh, could grow manufacturing, so that mm-hmm. those who who don't go to college, for instance. Uh, can can be educated at technical schools and and get jobs that way. That's happening now, and you know who's doing it? President Trump and conservatives. While the lazy, shiftless black activist Al Sharpton and uh, Don Lemon and all these other guys sit around and still squawk endlessly, needlessly, wrongfully about an invisible epidemic called racism because Roseanne Barr tweeted out something about a, a planet of the apes. Yeah. Unbelievable. Don't get me all started on this. No, that's a good point. We Cause like did, you said, but... it's uh, cause we were just talking about the neighborhoods and why there aren't shootings. It's cause everybody wakes up and goes to a job. They're not going to just start. They have things to do. Families to raise. Nothing has changed in these communities since uh, if you just look at the Obama reign, he didn't do jack for black people in America. Nobody, you can't name one thing he did. My buddy Pascal, when he was in here a while back, we asked him because apparently Trump is racist, but we're like, okay, so then, so because so, I'm not going to beat up on P- Pascal. He was a nice guy and we had a good conversation, but name one thing that, that president, and you know what, you know what he, you, you know what he said? I do. Yeah. Obama got elected. Yeah. That, that was the big accomplishment for black Americans that President Obama achieved. And you, and again, I know we're not beating up on him by any means, but, and you asked him, uh, 
what do you feel like uh, Trump has done that has been so bad? And he said, or, or, or he makes him so racist. And he said, I don't really have anything. It's just, just my opinion. Like I just yeah. feel like and it. And unfortunately, the reality is, if you get right down to it, it's because Trump is white. 100%. That's the problem. Yeah. These people have also a problem with the fact that Trump is going in and basically rolling back all the damage that Obama did to this country in terms of the economy, in terms of regulation, everything else. And that apparently is racist because he's undoing what the great black hope Obama did when he, for, since he was first elected. But let me, just, let me go back to Chicago real quickly, and then we'll, um, we'll give Jimmy Hoff a, a call real quickly here. Hold on. Just, uh, we'll take a real, real quick break, and then we'll give him a call, yeah. okay? So uh, Memorial Day weekend. And here is the final shootorama tally, is what they call it here. I mean, you know, part of it is I'm glad they're doing this and using the kind of language they're using because it makes it all the more sad that this is such that you can throw all this together and really say that this is it, it is basically in certain neighborhoods just a shooting gallery there. And believe me, it has nothing to do with guns. Or very little to do with access to with legal guns. So in 2014 on Memorial Day, the Memorial Day weekend, eight were killed, 21 wounded. 2015 Memorial Day weekend, 12 kid killed, 45 wounded. 2016 Memorial Day weekend, 10 killed, 67 wounded. The, the only the only positive side of all this is that apparently there are really bad shots in the inner city. <laughs> 2017 Memorial Day weekend. <laughs> I'm just saying. That just made me laugh. Seven killed, 44 wounded. So, yeah, the only upside is, yeah, they're either really bad shots or there's some really healthy people getting shot and can withstand it. But that's the only, that's the only upside of, all, of, of any of this. But I still have to sit through a town hall meeting hosted by anti-gay bigot Joy Reid to tell me that I'm the problem. Your racism. Yes. And it's kind of like, or, 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 and, and, or, or to tell all the liberals who watch MSNBC, because I don't really watch a whole lot of that, uh, that, that, that they're the problem. And usually they just take it hook, line, and sinker, because they go out and evangelize about, about white privilege and all that mm-hmm. other stuff. So we're going to take a break here. We're going to get a hold of uh, Jimmy Hoff to come back with that. I don't, mean to, I don't mean to sound all hot and bothered, but this is driving me nuts. We work on that Planet of the Apes app while I'm on break here. Well, you're going to call it Jimmy Hawk. It's a good idea. I did. I tried that monkey thing. It didn't work. I'm going to show you. Okay, because I tried to send somebody one of me talking like a monkey. It didn't work. Baby, baby. Baby, baby. Baby, baby. Baby, baby. Baby, baby. 
Yeah, you can actually hear these guys eventually. Right here at Gaslight. Gaslight Studios. AWOL Nation's coming. Can anybody just come and see him? Matt? Oh. Huh. This is a band that actually, um, they went from going, they were like really big, and suddenly I saw them at, I saw that they were appearing at Pops. That's like, shouldn't they be at like, what is it, Scott Trade or Verizon? Well, or, yeah. a while back they were at Pops, and now they're kind of back in the bigger circuit now, so. Pops is like, what do you mean? You think Pops is a bad place? Like, no, I don't think it's a bad place. The good bands are there. Yeah. I've been there once. <laughs> you have? Yeah, I've been there one time. What'd you go there for? It was a concert. I forget who even who it was. Come on, you went you... to see Stormy Daniels with yeah. here. <laughs> you know that's not my style. Where was she? she Stormy Daniels was like at Pops yeah. Country Club or whatever it is. Like they have, they have, they have like have a country side there. Do they? I think so. It's like a country, I forgot what they called it. The Pops Country Cafe or something. That part of town isn't necessarily where Ryan rolls. Yeah. Sauge, buddy. (laughs) Yeah. You know? It's not really my my zone. Get the gateway punning on with us, shall we? Hey, Jimmy, you there, buddy? Yep. Hey, Jim, how you doing, buddy? Great, great, you. Uh, love it. This Jim Acosta coverage. You, I thought there, I didn't know that we could actually find yet more embarrassing moments with Jim Acosta, <laughs> but apparently I talked <laughs> about him earlier cause he's so butthurt over Kim Kardashian at the white house. Uh, because apparently Kim Kardashian, even though it's about prison reform, which most people generally common sense people agree with, you'd think that, that, that he would too. It's, you have to be John Legend, and the president has to be Barack Obama for you to give a rip about it, uh, because Kim Kardashian and Donald Trump are not the team for him. But here's what, here's what Jimmy has up on the website. This is, uh, this is Jim Acosta angry because he's not being recognized, although I can't, I can't seem to play it off of, your, uh, off of here. Oh, well. So, Jimmy, what, what was the deal here? How'd this, how'd this go down with Jim Acosta and, and the Secret Service? Right. Well, you know, Jim Acosta thinks everyone should know him and uh, that he's a big star because he takes on Sarah Huckabee Sanders every day in the White House. And he screamed at Donald Trump a few times. And uh, so he believes because of that, he should have the street cred where everybody should know him. So he was trying to get into the White House uh, yesterday, I believe this was. And uh, the Secret Service people didn't recognize him. And so he has a tissy fit um, because they don't recognize the great Jim Acosta. (laughs) That is uh, that is amazing because here's the deal, uh, Acosta. I tried to point out earlier too, and and you've been covering CNN a lot uh, throughout your entire career. Jim Acosta sure. was never really, really much of a player. I mean, he really was pretty much of a C team guy over there at CNN. And the only reason he has any stature at all, if you want to call it that, is because of his attempts at attention with president trump wouldn't you say 
Oh, absolutely. Um, it, it's the same with any of these reporters uh, from the White House. Uh, we never heard of them before. April Ryan's another one. She's on CNN quite a bit. Never heard of her. And now because she takes on Trump and says very nasty things um, to Sarah Huckabee Sanders, uh, now everyone knows who she is. So uh, it's just uh, the, the craziness of the media during the Trump years where they don't even hide their bias anymore. Yeah, and we saw that really uh, in in full glory when the New York Times had to wind up correcting its assessment of the crowd size when President Trump was in Nashville. And, I mean, this was completely embarrassing and went all the way by the wayside. Nobody really covered it except for the Gateway Pundit, and I think Newsbusters dealt with it. And the New York Times basically had a little item where it corrected its assessment how did how did that go down? Um, I, I'm sorry, I spaced off there. Yeah, how, having my how, first cup of coffee. That's okay, buddy. <laughs> how, how did this thing go down? Where where the New York Times was it was able to completely? It wasn't an underestimation. I mean, it was a it was complete oh. falsehood regarding the number of people at the at the at the Nashville Center. Yeah, it's awful. You know, Jamie. Uh, I've been blogging since 2004. I think you were the first one to have me on the radio a dozen years ago. And uh, since that time, the media always does this. This is one of the tricks where they uh, conservatives have a rally. They'll, they'll underestimate it by a, you know, down to about the fourth of the actual numbers. Democrats have a rally. Uh, they, they overestimate. It's a, it's a real tactic. It's something uh, Chavez was famous for in Venezuela, who was a avowed communist, you know. Um, and uh, this is just a tactic of the left to um, make it sound and make you feel like uh, you're, you're with an unpopular group. So uh, it's, it's insane, though, with Trump, because this uh, arena that they had the event on the other day had set, seated 9,000. And uh, you could tell there was, you know, thousands of people there. And New York Times wrote that there was a, just 1,000 showed, showed up, which never happens for Donald Trump, by the way. It's never happened for Donald Trump. And, uh, and, and Trump corrected them on Twitter, and that's when they were forced to make this, uh, this correction at the uh, New York Times website that there was actually 5,500. So they were off by, mm, what, about 400, 500%. Yeah, that's incredible. I mean, I saw the video, and and even me, who I, I don't really know how to calculate crowd size, but had you told me while I was watching that that a thousand people were there, I'd say no way. There are thousands more <laughs> than you just said. I mean, just by looking at it on TV. Right, right, and uh, again, Trump Trump has never had a rally that failed with just a few people. Never, never. So it's it's just. I mean, what a dirty tactic. So now they're going to try to pretend that the, the core, his base supporters don't support him. It's just, it's just this nonsense. The media has this visceral hatred of Donald Trump, and uh, it comes out, and, and uh, they're, they're killing their credibility by the day, and uh, they can't help it. And they're not going to change. I don't see them changing at all. And the uh, American public are rejecting it. I want to get a little deeper here with some fellow conservatives and I, I, because I know you and I have both experienced the never-Trumper Republicrats out there who, if, if, if they had their way, Hillary Clinton would be in office. And one of those individuals happens to be Ben Shapiro. I've never trusted the guy. 
I've never really liked the guy. He and and I, I notice he has wormed his way back into the good graces of Laura Ingram and all that kind of thing because his industry is the whole free speech college campus kind of stuff. Uh, but but he was one of the more disgusting attackers of Trump supporters and of President Trump, and I just lost so much respect for Ben Shapiro, and I still have almost none. But this is a typical example of, of, of why conservatives have a bad rap. Kim, uh, and it wasn't only Jim Acosta earlier, and it, and it isn't only liberals who troll President Trump. We have the same problem with the likes of Ben Shapiro, who, when Kim Kardashian appeared at the White House with President Trump to talk about an issue that is critical to the black community. Jimmy, we just got through, I just got through relaying to people for a, a half hour all about the epidemic of violence and of, of mayhem in, in the black community that is destroying lives and that liberals have done nothing about. But Republicans haven't done much about it either until President Trump became president, started working on the economy, working on the community banks, working on developing more stakeholders in the economy. And prison reform is one of those issues where conservatives and liberals have actually come together. But that didn't stop Ben Shapiro when Kim Kardashian appeared at the White House from tweeting out that somehow this was celebrity worship. And and he goes, I didn't like it when Obama did it, and I don't like it when Trump does it. And it's like, well, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say that having a very visible spokesperson for prison reform, and Kim Kardashian is one of those. I wouldn't call that celebrity right. worship. And 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 it was so great to see another conservative, Candace Owens, get out there and just rip Shapiro to shreds. Yeah, that. That was amazing. I'm, I'm with you on that, Jamie, uh, 100%. It was interesting because, as you know, you were a Trump guy from pretty much day one. I was a Trump guy from day one. Uh, we stuck our neck out, and we got, took a lot of hits, um, and we were absolutely 100% correct. Uh, we, we had the pulse on the people of what America was uh, feeling, and uh, Trump was just a big – you know, F you to the elitist in Washington, to this elitist media and to these failed, uh, these failed, uh, um, uh, laws and, uh, uh, rules that they put on the country, uh, these, these failed treaties and agreements and, uh, Americans had enough. I was one, you were one, Jay, uh, Ben Shapiro though, he never jumped on that Trump train. He never has, mm-hmm. he still, you know, takes swipes at Trump. And I'm shocked that, uh, I, it, it's like after the election, everything went back to normal, where all these people who are anti-Trump, they're still in the news. They're still on Fox News. They're still making these comments. And some are now, what is even worse, is some are pretending that they were on the Trump train all along. Um, so that's just the world we live in. But uh, to see Ben Shapiro do this, he did it, you know, about every once a week, he does something or once a month uh, where he's still, you know, slapping Trump around. Yeah. Um, I think it's disgusting. I don't know what what's going on in his head. Um, and uh, and it sh- I'm shocked that so many people still value his opinion because he's he's yeah. still not Trump. You know, he's still against this Republican president. And I was glad that Candace Owens, uh, you know, 
slapped him down yesterday, and she was absolutely 100% correct. Yeah, the only thing he really has going for him is this whole college campus yeah. uh, thing. And that that's really the only thing he's really uh, known for. And so that's why he can, can worm his way back onto Laura's show or do whatever. But the, the fact of the matter is uh, Shapiro not only had vicious things to say about Trump, he was one of the few never-Trumpers out there who really had horrible things to say about Trump supporters. I mean, he he and Jonah Goldberg and Dana Lash and all those guys out there, uh, they were they were vicious yes. to Trump supporters. It was, and they were no different than Hillary Clinton. When Hillary Clinton called Trump supporters deplorables, I guarantee you Shapiro, Jonah Goldberg, Kevin Williamson, all these guys, uh, Bill Kristol, all those guys completely and totally agreed with her. Oh, yeah, yeah absolutely. We was, saw that, and we saw that. Go ahead. No, I was just saying, wasn't it almost everybody over at The Blaze and <laughs> the entire Beck? I mean, other than Tommy, right? Or Tom, Tommy, Tom, Tommy, Lauren, Lauren. Yeah, Tommy Lauren. Yeah. 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 Other than her, I think she, I think the rest of the entire crew over there was, <laughs> it was a daily, like, how can we bash Trump and Trump supporters? Yeah. I mean, and it really it was crazy. Yeah. I mean, it, it, was, it, it, it was nuts. Yeah. And, uh, you know, another good example of that was when Trump was here in St. Louis mm. and then he went to Chicago that night and it broke out in riots. And we found out months later that these rioters were planted in the audience to beat heads. Um, it was a tactic that the left used that, that day. There was actual proof of this. James O'Keefe uncovered this. And yet the night that they shut down the Chicago rally, we saw several never Trumpers attacking Trump for the violence, which was probably the most despicable action they took during the whole election. That was that was disgusting because they know this is how the left operates. And yet they were pretending that was Trump's fault. That was one of the times when, you know, I had I had respected Ted Cruz up through most of that whole time. And, and, and I'm back to obviously uh, having respect for him because I think he's done a good job in supporting the president's policies, but also standing up uh, for great constitutional principles. But that was the one time where I really despised Ted Cruz when he joined <laughs> in with uh, Kasich from Ohio in basically blaming the violence in Chicago on Donald Trump and on Trump supporters. Yeah. And it was the most despicable thing I, I'd seen in Republican yeah. and conservative politics in a long time. I really just, it just yeah. really emptied the air out of me. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Because they knew better. We've been seeing this, Jamie, since, uh, you know, 20 years. When and it's only gotten worse today. We know that. Yeah. When Trump people get together, uh, they get their heads beat in sometimes. And uh, a lot of times, the media doesn't cover it. We do, but um, you know they, they these people knew better, so it was it was pretty disgusting. But I couldn't believe uh, that our friend Ben Shapiro took a swipe at Trump over that. It, it it's just it was just uh, an unforced error. He didn't need to do that. It was a ridiculous comment, and it just shows you that he's still not over the fact that he was very wrong during the election, and he's still upset about Trump winning. Yeah. By the way, uh, we uh, got Eugene on about uh, Eric Greitens the other day. It was actually the day before 
uh, Greitens resigned. And uh-huh. we really broke it all down with him. And he, he was great. And one of the things that came out of this, and I'm not quite sure how much you've really covered it. I know, I know you don't do a whole lot of local things, but you're kind of plugged into the local scene. One of the things we have yet sure. to figure out and that hopefully we'll be able to figure out is why the Coster campaign, when they were running against the Greitens campaign for governor, and Coster and his team knew about the tapes that Katrina Sneed recorded with Philip Sneed uh, together. They knew about the tapes. They knew about the affair. They knew about all this kind of stuff, but then didn't say anything. What, and, and I was curious about that. And then, and then of course, it, it was even more curious when Eugene told us that actually Katrina did talk about Chris Coster and said that he was a father figure to her. But, but I'm still trying to figure wow. out, like, why the campaign wouldn't have, like, since, this, since Katrina Sneed was apparently now part of the whole Me Too movement, and Stacey Newman and yeah. her little group uh, led her to uh, a prosecutor and made a big deal about all this kind of thing. Uh, I'm surprised that Costa wouldn't have taken the opportunity to make a big deal about this in the campaign. Why do you huh. think that is? I, I think that's a great question. Um, there Certainly there are rumors out there that he was – close to this woman too i can't i don't even know if i can say that on the radio and i don't mean anything by it well <laughs> but, um no I, who knows <laughs> i i don't know it's a, it's a strange uh strange situation for sure and that isn't like any democrat if they generally have a uh, trash they'll throw it out there so, yeah i know i mean it was very uh, unusual for somebody not to bring light on this subject and make a big deal about that uh, and I was I was really kind of surprised that that, that Coster wouldn't have I mean, it might have won him the election, don't you think? If he brought up this Greitens thing and maybe even exposed the tapes and all that kind of thing, he might have he might be governor now. I would think he would have would have not resisted that. But anyway, I, yeah, I, it is interesting, isn't it? Yeah, it, it is very much so. But yeah, uh, thank you, Jimmy, for leading me to, to Eugene because that 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 petition of course he put up on change.org uh is now moot but nonetheless there's a lot of work to be done on that and and so it was a very interesting development there i just wanted to if you had any insight into that but wasn't one no to i don't put, yep. <laughs> put you on the spot <laughs> yeah all right buddy well anyway. listen as always we appreciate you and jimmy the gateway yeah. is a great site and one of the things about the gatewaypundit.com is is you can go to other places, um, and a lot of you you stop at Breitbart or you you go to Drudge or you might go to Newsbusters or you might go to other places there. Uh, but Jimmy always has kind of not only all the stuff you would expect to see, but then some of the back the the side stuff. Like for instance, you're not going to see Jim Acosta freaking out over the. Uh, with the Secret Service anywhere except on Jimmy's site. So the uniquity of his site is yes. cannot be underestimated, uh, overestimated, I should say. And so make sure you get to gatewaypundit.com. And, Jimmy, uh, thanks a ton. I hope you – by the way, maybe – Thanks, Jamie. I think people would love to be able to meet you or see you out at the um, Warrior and the Wild Man Throwdown Palooza we're having on Saturday – 
right there at Discovery Design. It's going to be from 12 to 6, and that's on the 9th of June. So if you want to come out and say hi, okay. Doug, Doug Giles is going to be there with us at ClashDaily.com. And so if you wanted to come out, I'm sure people want to say hi to you. It's from 12 to 6, so you got plenty of time if you want to. All right, Jamie. Thank you. All right, brother. Always good talking yeah. to you. It's Jim Hoff, the Gateway Pundit, gatewaypundit.com. So, yeah. Boy, nobody wants to touch that Coster thing with a 10-foot bull. Oh, really? I wonder I, what that is. Yeah. Even he, even he was just like, ah, I'm not, not touching that one. Yeah, I don't know. We just put it out there. Not judges or anything. Maybe we'll find out eventually. Post dispatch ought to be on that.
earlier called Alveda King Martin Luther King Jr.'s daughter, and she's actually his niece. So sorry for that, but happy though that she's pro-life and happy that she called BS on Starbucks. And by the way, going back to the whole incident involving the two black guys there, Starbucks has had a problem with people who just simply squat in their places without buying anything. I mean, it's one of the few places you can go into, I guess, now and just sit there and not have to buy anything. And I'll go back to the try doing that at the Korean coffee shop. <laughs> you will be buying. Before you, get, before you get hit with a broom <laughs> to get the hell out of there. I'm guilty of what you're talking about. Just going in there and sitting? I don't go to Starbucks, but Panera. I go into Panera all the time. I'll have a meeting. I won't buy anything. Does the person you're meeting with buy anything? I'll offer, but most of the time they're like, nah, I'm good. So we end up just sitting there. It's just like a, it's a table. That's a thing. Well, you know, if, if you're doing that and then people who buy something can't find a seat, that's a problem. But but if you're not but if but if it's wide open and you can assess that there's nobody needing your seat who actually have purchased something at the place that you're squatting in, <laughs> then I would imagine that's okay. But I can't necessarily say that. Have you ever watched somebody wandering around with a tray of food at Panera while you're sitting there not buying anything? Truthfully, I wouldn't even notice. Oh. I'm sorry. This is just honesty here. This is this is a bird's well, I know nest. It's I thought here, yeah. like where I can share, yeah, truths. Well, once again, you're lucky. Panera Bread Company isn't run by Koreans. <laughs> That's no slap on Koreans. I'm actually saying that that people there's certain people who put up with things and certain people who don't. You judged me for this. And I'm sure Panera, well, I kind of did, but I know, I it's okay. I, I was just thinking as long as people aren't, as long, again, as long as it's a situation where there aren't people who are wanting to sit down, then I'm, then I'm, I'm, I'm I, plus it doesn't matter what I think. Listen. It matters what you think. I go through that drive through It's none of my business. Three times a week with my family with a $120 Panera bill. I figure if I go in there every once in a while and I use their table, I, I look at almost like rent at that point. I pay them $300 in rent a, a week. That's interesting. I, I mean, listen, that's, that's your thing, man. I mean, I'm good. I mean... But, again, if there are people who want to sit down there then uh, and they have their wander, some, some person who spent money for a sandwich and Don't can't find a seat. Don't make me feel bad. I'm not trying to make you feel No, you, you are. Just, you're the one who, who sent it over to me <laughs> at, for my verdict. And, and I, well, but maybe you didn't ask for my opinion about it. But, uh, <laughs> I, I, listen, I'm not a judger. I don't, I don't – I'm just telling – you that maybe you do do that but it's none of my business what you do really you know panera not just try to like pin this off of me you know panera even did that thing for a while where whatever 
there were certain items on the menu and whatever you felt you wanted to do you remember that do you notice that lasted for about yeah a week yes because it because (laughs) well the people who came up with the idea should have been fired here's an idea I, i i still insist the guy who came up with the half sheet of of the paper towels should have been fired terrible idea because the idea is to use as much as you can. So I'm a, I'm a total idiot about that. I like I'll t- I'll take a sheet from the from the paper towels if I actually clean up. You ask somebody at home, and I I probably don't do enough of that. But where where I I'll just pull the damn oh. thing. I'll pull a whole oh. yard of it out. Fifty sheets to dry my hands if I have to. Right. But yeah, that that whole concept. I remember they tried to. Yeah. They did that. And I know what they were like, oh, well, you could buy somebody else. You could overpay for it to pay for somebody else who, but I would always stand there and people were like, I don't know, a buck? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, ordinarily $5. Well, they could do a thing where they, a promotion where if you buy enough for the drive-thru, you can have a chair in there with your name on it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> People are like on Facebook, you Brian, you better start buying. I'm sorry. <laughs> I should have never brought this up. Lisa you can also said, say, look at the look what I give back to the community with my awesomeness. I should be sitting here and not have to buy anything. <laughs> we love you, right? Even if you're a squatter. <laughs> Thanks. Oh, man. Anyway. Well, then I guess you're lucky you're not black and homeless then yeah otherwise they'd run you out actually now you're now you're actually playing into the whole idea maybe there is white privilege oh gosh i open this maybe there is never been brought up you've just exposed true white privilege because i I wonder if you were some black guy Mm -hmm. who just sat there and did whatever you were doing do you think that Panera would run you out? No, I don't. Okay. A hundred percent I don't. That's why that whole Starbucks story, who the hell was running Starbucks when that happened? I, even that story I find to just be where they kicked these, I think, two African-American guys out of the... Who does that? Anyway. I think part of it was, and again, it's not excusable, but... I do think part of that came with an ongoing issue they were having with homeless people who would come in and just sit there. Okay. Now, ultimately, Starbucks uh, could probably, if it had a homelessness problem in their place, put them to work uh, because isn't that kind of what would, would, wouldn't, like, if you really want to be, or, or, or do the liberals at Starbucks expect the state to employ these people as opposed to them, which is always kind of their role. Like, like for instance, the government to a lot of liberals is their charity. It's kind of like, you know, they pay taxes, so they don't really have to give to charity. If you look at charitable giving among conservatives versus liberals, the, the charitable giving is higher among conservatives than it is about liberals because I do believe, and again, I know a lot of liberals who do a lot of great things and are very charitable, so I'm not trying to do a broad brush here. But I will say that many of them believe that 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 is that, that the government's job is more like a charity, and, and so as long as they pay taxes, 
they don't have to worry about it. And then they want other people to pay more taxes yes. because the government is designed to be a charity. The idea of building something from the ground up and employing people and that kind of thing is mystifying to most of the people in that left-wing world. So, or, or conservatives a lot of times give to their local church. They give tithes and offerings. They use, you know, the church has food pantries and things like this. And they believe in private organizations helping individuals. Right. That's why originally, in my opinion, President Obama wanted to end the charitable deduction. Absolutely. Because, because charities were competing with him and were competing with the federal government. Yes. That's our job. We're supposed to be giving people money, not you. It's like that that's kind of was his whole his whole deal that that it was the government's job to to employ people and build things and stuff like that as opposed to anybody else. So he wanted to take it on. And also the whole concept of the government being people's ch- charity for left wing. It's kind of like why some people put Obama signs in their yard because he was like their one black friend because they didn't otherwise associate with black people and didn't certainly send their schools to places where there were black people. I mean, even Obama didn't send his kids to school where there were black people. It was like, you know, all these beautiful homes in Kirkwood with their Obama signs out in there. You know, I'd always drive by like, oh, please. Now they have Black Lives Matter signs in front of them. Anyway, <laughs> I like I picked on Kirkwood there. Oh, please do. You know what I'm talking about in that city. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I know. Kirkwood. My mom lives in that city. It's Kirkwood like driving. Oh, yeah. Oh, gosh. That's why I said when they had the Stockley verdict protest, like that you'd have the daytime <laughs> where you'd have the uh, where you have the buses uh, coming in from Webster Groves. <laughs> <laughs> what is this? Yeah. All the the. Birkenstock wearing blue hairs. Oh, yeah. You know? Birkenstocks. <laughs> With socks, mind you. All right. Enough of that horribleness. <sighs> I, would, I, would, I would not be... I would just tell you, just doubling back on the whole Panera Bread thing. <laughs> oh, God. I, I don't know whether I could do that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Are you kidding? I couldn't. I'd feel too bad about it. We have business meeting all the time. And it's just Panera is just like, so sometimes you eat, sometimes you don't. You just, you're in and It's like a office. Is, <laughs> <laughs> it's like an office you don't have to pay for. <laughs> this is a, you do pay for it in food at random times. I dare you to ask them for a phone line. You know what? They'd be pretty darn accommodating. Like they give you free internet while you're there. I always am on their internet as soon as I go there. Sure, Ryan, we could put a phone line in for you <laughs> since you go through the drive-thru once a week. <laughs> I knew this was, I should have never. See, Here, do is, you want a large soda? This is the problem when you try to, when I feel sometimes like we're standing in this room and I'm in this bird's nest with you and I can share my thoughts and my feelings and truths about me Dude, and then I get judged. You do so much good, the world owes you. <laughs> it really does. That Panera owes you a chair. I, you know, I, I do believe that. <laughs> oh. Thanks a lot. Thanks do a lot. you, let me ask you another question. When you are in a parking lot, mm-hmm. instead of backing out or doing whatever, do you just drive through the other slot to get to the proper lane to get out? Yes. Okay. 
Just wondering. What what more judge do you have? On no, I was just wondering. I was just wondering. If, 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 I I ran across a guy in the Whole Foods parking lot doing that. This guy went through like three different lanes. <laughs> okay, I'm not that. Bad. I know. No, I just wondering. I will do a pull through and then yeah. I go up a lane. Do you throw your cigarette out of the window? I don't smoke. Oh, okay. Just wanted to let you know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's fine. This isn't a full, like, you know. See, this is what happens, you guys. This is why this room is scary at times. Do you think that throwing an apple core out the window is littering? Or do you think it no. will just simply go right into the I, ground? You know what? This is funny you bring that That's up. That's a trick question. I, no. I was eating an apple. I'm on the front of my boat. I'm eating an apple. Kelly's sitting next to me. <laughs> I had this momentary thought. I'm up in the front. Of like, I'm just going to chuck this in the water because I figure it's a freaking apple. A largemouth bass would eat it. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and so I'm like, and then I thought there's boats around me. And I'm like, people will think I'm like littering in the water. See, that's the thing I was just about to say. That's the thing that people don't understand is like one thing, like when you're when you throw a cigarette butt out a window, right. you're frigging littering. Okay? Yes. I've I've heard the whole argument that well the filters actually are biodegradable. It's like shut up, yeah, it's littering. <laughs> it totally is. But 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 it's true. There are people who are reluctant to throw an apple core out the window because they think that it's littering. When the reality is, there's a possibility that an apple eating squirrel yeah. will be more than happy to and thankful for yet another good deed that Ryan did <laughs> for the world. I sit in Panera's and I throw apples out exactly. my window. Exactly. Squirrels would even advocate for now, the special. Now, th- here's how it could get out of control. hundred people are driving on the road eating apples. Everyone's throwing them. And now you've got apple cores all over the highway. And now you've, you then, you've got, then you've got squirrels running into the road oh, to get the apple core and then being run over. Nasty. So then you have squirrel bodies all over the highway. That would be horrible. Yeah, but no, I would keep I would keep doing what you're doing, buddy. So it's working. So here's what the <laughs> pro move on, please. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just kidding you. Nobody really should care. It's people. I mean, you know, and, and I'm I'm teasing you, but it really is. First of all, nobody's business, and secondly, you're not. You know, as long as as long as Panera treats you like they would, I agree with that. You know. Somebody I else. I agree with that. Yeah. And that's why I, that, that was kind of shocking, that whole Starbucks story, because that, that must have just been a very remote incident in that community, like you said, where they must have a higher homeless population. And then here they go through, we're going to go through a $50 million training program for every one of our Starbucks right, employees. I mean, it's right. just good gracious. Well, you know what you could do just to, just to ensure that you could – do it without anybody bothering you is when you go through the drive-through and you get the uh, panini mm-hmm. and, and it comes in that cardboard chicken frontega. Just keep that panini box with you, and so then you can go into the oh, Panera bread thing and just leave it, put it on the like, uh, on the table, mm-hmm. and then nobody would ever. This know. is my steak and arugula sandwich, right? Exactly, which is pretty good. It's amazing. It's really good, and it's good for you because there's nothing. There's hardly any. It's oh, all you it's know, protein, veggies. It's perfect. I can name almost. Every menu item in that place. The one thing they used to have, the Chipotle chicken thing. Oh, have you yeah. seen the calorie level of that baby? Oh, they're not low. I mean, that's like that's like eight hundred calories in they're a sandwich. High. 
But if you run it off or do whatever, that's fine. You can eat anything you want to if you're healthy. Do you uh, know people who, like, have a large McDonald's cup, and then every time they pass by McDonald's, they just go in and fill it up with True soda. story. When I was 14 years old, I got a job. It was They employed at 14. It was amazing. And I got a job. It was my first job was McDonald's. I worked there for two over two years. Yes, people do that stuff all the time. I mean, like, <laughs> McDonald's goers, and I'm not knocking you if you're a McDonald's goer, but those, like, there are, there is a crew in McDonald's that is, like, they know the exact discount. Like, you know, oh, yeah. they, like they, they would order their senior coffee. <laughs> and if you charge them for it, would be, you know, like the difference of 15 cents. Yes. They'd be like, that's not the same. They'd already have their change. <laughs> like, and they would, you know, uh, like, mm. yeah, and you're yeah, like, yeah. okay, nope, this, they're serious. <laughs> and yeah, they would walk in with their cups. And I used to, I'll have, I'll confess one thing to you then. <laughs> when I was worked, I forgot my, I've worked like since I was. 12 okay basically. so I, I sold newspapers at world news and i uh then worked at frank and helen's pizza in new city and then got the big job where i made a lot of money but unfortunately spent it on damaged cars that i damaged so i didn't you know <laughs> one okay time, i one time uh pulled the door off my dad's cadillac um one time Pulled the door off. Well, I was backing oh, up. I, and I was backing up, and the car door was open, and, and and there was a tree there that suddenly just popped up. Apparently, mm. it was a hundred year old tree that grew in ten <laughs> seconds. <laughs> yes. And it uh, and I bent the car door back, and that was an easy. That was a cool three hundred bills right there. Anyway, so I used to so, but I worked as a busboy at Telena's. Okay. Pizza right there in Skinker. It, it, it now I think is a Panera Bread. I don't know what it is down there, but it was at Skinker and um, Skinker and uh, I don't know whatever. It was right at the corner there. Okay. And I would uh, always have a spoon in my pocket. Uh, and, and my buddy and I, we'd go down into the freezer area <laughs> where the uh, Spumoni ice cream was. And literally just eat the Spumoni ice cream out of the tub. So theft. Basically. <laughs> See, okay, so you're judging but I me. Felt, but I felt like I was owed the ice cream. Oh. Because of how much work I did for Telena's that I wasn't compensated for. So I figured, well, a couple, <laughs> couple things, the ice cream isn't going to hurt. And so you were dipping your spoon in, eating it re-dipping the spoon that was just in your mouth back into that, that then someone's going to go get for a customer. If I didn't have a spoon, I'd take my tongue and just run it right across the thing. Now, that's not nearly as bad as... I'm trying to get you off the hook here. Oh, no, I'm loving this. For you squatting in Panera as an adult. Anyway, (laughs) so I I, I worked at... I also worked at the Schnucks... Over there on, uh, it's now the menswear, now, now a hardware store, I think. Okay. Over on Brentwood and uh, Brentwood in Manchester. And there was, a, there was a Schnooks over there, and there was a Schnooks Station restaurant, too. But I was a stalker at the Schnooks Station restaurant. Okay. And I was I'm probably 17 or 18. I wasn't, let's put it this way. I know, I know I wasn't old enough to drink. 
<laughs> okay. But we would go up and we would stock, and that was back in the day when they had these cocktails for one or something, these cocktails for two things. They'd actually get to the point where I, I don't know why they don't sell those anymore, but they used to have these cocktails for two. And so they'd have the they'd pre-wrapped. Have, well, they would like come in a little jar, and the container would be like a bowl, like a cup almost on top. But you know, towards the end of the, the uh, day, <laughs> my shift, we used to go up there and just like pound about six of those and get the hell out of town, out of the out of the snooks. Then let me be clear for everybody on Facebook: don't be judging me when you're hearing. These I don't do stories. that now. Oh. I am just saying. I hope the statute of limitations <laughs> have run out on, so no, I'm just saying, on your I'm, crimes. No, no I'm, I'm just saying I, 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 have, I have been a thief, too, in the, in the past. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just trying to tell you that I, too, have stolen things before. I'm just, just telling you. In this case, I, I felt entitled to the uh, cocktail for two, even though I was just one, uh, because I'd been working at Schnucks. During my prayer time, I'm going to ask God <laughs> if he is... Mad at me for this Panera thing? Do I need to repent for this? Ryan, <laughs> you can't even buy a an iced tea for crying out loud. Is that God's voice? Ryan, <laughs> was there someone standing next to you with a tray with a panini on it while you were sitting there paying for nothing? Yes, God. Well, then you are not forgiven. You must go back there. and <laughs> You must go back through the drive. If you go, I'll, I'll tell you what. If you go back through the drive-thru and spend another cool $100, then yes, it will be okay. <laughs> it's my rent for the week. Thank you. Because I know the rent is just too damn high there at the, star, at the Panera Bread Company. You know what? I just justified it even more. Thank you, Sharon. She says Panera needs to pay you for all of this great advertising. <laughs> That's a month's worth of rent right there. there. Now you can go in there and say, I talked about you. Thousands of people. Tens Pan- of thousands actually, of you, people. No, no. Actually, Panera's like thinking to themselves if they're actually listening <laughs> to the show. They're going... I think that dude just told everybody that we don't care if you yeah. just sit in there and pay for and don't yes. pay for anything. Like, thanks a lot. <laughs> thanks a lot for advertising the fact that we you don't have to pay for anything and you can sit in internet. So, yeah, free water. Oh, you need a water cup? Here you go. You know who those? You should. You would be even better is if you not only sat in there, but you also had a secretary you stayed there the entire <laughs> yes. day. She greets, oh, Mr. Johnson, you're here for your meeting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Ryan, Ryan is in the back booth. I'll walk you over They'd there. They never know. No. <laughs> and that's the thing. That that's, there are people who take advantage of the fact that nobody would dare ask you, like, <laughs> what you're, like why are you sitting there? No. And now it's even less likely after the Starbucks thing, that anybody's going to bother oh, you at all. heck no. Now, now, basically, folks, now you know if you go into Starbucks, that's going to be your other place. Yeah. Now, if you go into I Starbucks, you don't Starbucks. have to pay for anything. You can just sit there. Because yeah. no, no employee is going to, well, unless you're white, I think. No employee is going to dare ask you what the hell you're doing there. No. You live there. That's the other problem that people have is they... Uh, and this is why you probably get away with it, too. You got to look like you know what you're doing. Amen. The problem with some people is they don't look like they know what they're doing. They look awkward. They look guilty. Guilty. Yes. Like. Yeah. And you, you all, and, and, the, and the good thing about that is that you're powered by the fact 
that you don't feel guilty. No, I walk in like I own that place. Because <laughs> you spent so much money there through the drive-thru. I'm ready to move on. By the way, Ryan, tell Jamie I don't forgive him for drinking underage <laughs> yeah. up in the Schnook's stockroom. Thank room. you. Thank you, God. And the double dipping with a spoon is disgusting. Tell Jamie that. Because I'll be too busy uh, getting Giancarlo Stanton to hit more home runs than the New York Yankees game because that woman is praying there in the stands for the Yankees to win. <laughs> Yankees. That's after I uh, pinched the car off the highway. At least it with my thing. That sounds like the Grinch's voice, <laughs> FYI. <laughs> the Grinch. You just called God a Grinch. Uh oh. Uh -oh. What's her name again? Did she just call Alicia? me? A, well, shame on you. <laughs> I'll get you after I finish uh, fulfilling Bill's wish over there. As I'll, I'll go after you after I for, finish forgiving Ryan for stealing a chair at Sorry, Panera. forgiven me. I think the Grinch didn't talk, did he? What's your no. name again? What's your name again? The new one did. What's her name again? Alicia. Benjamin? Alicia Clark. Alicia? <laughs> How do you know that the Grinch talks? I never. When I created that cartoon, I didn't make him talk at all. In fact... It's a known fact that the Grinch doesn't talk. That's the whole thing. It's that it's it's Boris Karloff narrating that. <laughs> how how does this happen? I created Boris Karloff's voice to narrate the Grinch. But Alicia, if you know something I don't know, even though I'm God, then feel free to advertise that everyone's disagrees you they're like grinch talks in the movie he does apparently we missed that part what movie is that oh the, the grinch movie maybe the new one but the original one he slices the hand there's no communication it, it, you, you mean talking about the grinch in the cartoon that's what i'm talking about you, you mean the grinch yes the well, movie's just you mean with jim carrey yeah. oh yeah oh, well yeah yeah okay okay then okay 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 I didn't know you were talking about the movie with Jim Carrey in it. <laughs> People say, poor Ryan. Thank you. Oh, Lord. What else is on the agenda? Well, that, well I was, the original point of this was I was going to talk about uh, Alveda King. And she is the niece of Martin Luther King Jr. And this is in the wake of Starbucks and that whole uh, May 29th thing or 529 yeah. deal that they they thankfully, I guess is done with right now. Yes. And now everybody, racism has ended, uh, period. But she said, if you really want to end racism, why don't you stop funding Planned Parenthood, the nation's largest abortion provider? So she's the director of civil rights for the unborn uh, at an organization called Priests for Life. So she put a column in the Washington Examiner which is the only paper in the East Coast that ever allow a column like that, by the right. way. And she talked about Starbucks and, you know, after this whole appearance of them engaging in the thing we were just talking about there, she said uh, um, Starbucks made a point of publicizing it would be conducting a racial bias education day for its employees. And in a letter sent to the CEO and signed by Alveda King and other pro-life leaders, she said... 
if you think this public relations fix means Starbucks is no longer complicit in racism, you need to wake up and smell your own coffee. Wow. Starbucks had racism in its corporate identity long before the April arrests, King wrote in this op-ed. Pretty gutsy of her. I almost said ballsy, but that wouldn't fit. Through the corporate donation, Starbucks contributions uh, amount to uh, contributing to one of the most racist organizations in history. Yep. Planned Parenthood, the largest single provider of abortions in the U.S., performs more than 300,000 terminations each year, which, by the way, we pay for, and which, by the way, Republicans uh, initially in the, uh, in the spending bill still supported Planned Parenthood. Yeah, that's your Republican Party. Yeah. Well, and sanctuary cities. Yep. She said that uh, she tried to school them on the racist – roots of Planned Parenthood because people forget that uh, Margaret Sanger, who is described as a eugenicist, was unbelievable. You think Roseanne Barr's comments, and again, I'm not defending Roseanne Barr, although I do do believe at some point that people are going to laud me for my brand new Turn Yourself Into a Planet of the Ape app. Hope they're going to love you. Which ought to be available to everybody where you just basically snap your picture and you could see what you would look like if you were in the Planet of the Apes. But I think that's a good idea. It's a great idea, Jamie. Dollar ninety nine. The Apple store. Price points. Dollar ninety nine. And all you do is snap a picture of your face and you can see what you look like as a Planet of the Ape. But I'm not defending a Roseanne no. Barr's comments. But it's interesting how when she did her tweet, you, you had this, this BS from all the black news anchors and all the white liberal crazies out there about the need for some national conversation about racism. So if you just go back and look at Margaret Sanger's writings and about really she wished for the termination of black babies. That that was that that, that was kind of why that, that was kind of the genesis yep. of Planned Parenthood. It, it was basically because blacks in her mind were kind of a nuisance yep. to society or were uh, more dependent than white babies were because they were born into poorer families, that this is a perfect way to resolve that problem once and for all, and that is to just simply create a mill that basically terminated black babies. Look where they put Planned Parenthood here in St. Louis. Is it in Creve Core? No. No. So that's... If this were some kind of organization, I mean, and these are people, by the way, who spend day in and day out searching and trolling for any little racism, any little racism in, in someone's background or yep. any little any little thing. And yet they know the founding founder of an organization that taxpayers support 
and that is lauded as some great service to our nation was actually founded by a complete and total racist. They leave that fact out because that's not convenient for them. Here's what she says as she continues. She says, more African-Americans have died from abortion than from AIDS, accidents, violent crimes, cancer, and heart disease combined. In America today, a black child is three times more likely to be killed in the womb than a white child. And since 1973, abortion has reduced the black population by more than 25%. King pointed out that 80% of Planned Parenthood facilities are located in inner cities, as you just pointed out, Ryan. And the abortion change business model was specifically engineered to target them. About 13% of American women are black, but they have more than 35% of the abortions. Now, if you want me to take this further, uh, I will tell you that President Trump's economic policies and the economic policies of wise conservatives actually, far from being racist, could quite possibly increase the population of blacks in this country because if you get right down to it, and and people will dispute this sometimes, but I've never really believed that abortion was... People say, well, people are just using it as birth control. I never really believed that... that Because because abortion, because women who go through abortions, it's so difficult for them, and it's such a hard decision. I would never demean a woman who has an abortion as, as thinking that it was a gratuitous thing for this person to do. Because I know, and I've known people who've had abortions, I know that it's devastating to them, and it's something you'll you never forget. I do not have babies in terms of, you know, I'm not a woman who has babies, but, you, but if you can imagine what that must be like oh. for a woman to have an abortion, you have to imagine it's so painful, which is why... Uh, those of us in in the pro-life community are less about condemnation and more about solutions. Absolutely. And and less about, you know, uh, punitive type of measures and more about solutions. So I've always believed even that that a Republican is not going to save the unborn through uh, continuing to pile on requirements and vaginal inspections and all these kinds of things. The true pro-life model, the true way to end abortion in this country is through strong economic policies that create more choices for women uh, to choose life. Absolutely, without a doubt. Now, there are people who – there there are people – and you'll disagree – some people will disagree with me on this. But there are people who believe that all you have to do is go to Jeff City and demand – uh, whatever you want to do, ultrasound, yeah, all or, those yeah. kind of things, and, and and it's true. It is true that a woman an ultrasound changes a lot of things, but it's not necessary necessarily to force a woman to have an ultrasound. If you go, for instance, to Thrive, yeah, where it's an organization that, by the way. Uh, was essentially kicked out of Parkway schools by the left-wing cabal there yep. at Parkway uh, for daring to, to 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 suggest an alternative to rampant sexual activity. 
but but there they have ultrasounds, and you wouldn't believe the change that 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 it, of heart that women have once they have an ultrasound. And it's not just the ultrasound that changes everything. Thrive is an organization uh, that creates uh, educational and helps with yes. educational opportunities. That is there after the baby is born. It's not enough just simply to uh, to do that. Uh, to, to simply have the have the baby, they 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 are there after the baby is right. born, and and then and thrive. I'm picking out only because that's an organization I've been particularly close to. Yep. But there are tons of organizations out there, and indeed churches and things like that that are that are helping in the in these in these environments. But but I've always believed that actually a stronger economy and strong economic policies are probably more pro life than anything you could possibly do. Because they are creating more choices. I do believe women have abortions mostly because they just don't see any light at the end of the tunnel. Right. How are they going to go to work? Who's going to take care of the baby? How are they going to afford diapers? How are, you know, it, it is, it, it is definitely uh, an economic, it's a big, now to your point on the ultrasound thing though, there, the reason why I do think that does help is Planned Parenthood has done such a good marketing job at basically teaching you that it's a pile of tissue inside of you, right? And the ultrasound makes it real that, whoa, there's a heartbeat You're hearing here. a heartbeat, yeah. This and, is and, a and, baby. And, but, but the left has taught us that, too, that, that you, which is why Nancy Pelosi can stand up there with a straight face and talk about the dignity of every human life and still support abortion because she just doesn't believe that a baby in the womb is a person. I mean, and that's a clump of cells. Exactly. And up until the third trimester for some of them, as far as they're concerned. And, and again, the other, the only thing that I would probably change, and I'm not quite sure a law is necessary uh, because I'm not into making more laws, but I wish there was more of a, mandate somehow that the impregnator be held accountable because all too often, and I think some of that comes from uh, raising boys to keep their zippers zipped Amen. And, and, and doing that kind of thing. But for some reason, abortion has only been a female issue, which I don't understand because because it's it's a male issue and 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 too often a lot of women make decisions to have an abortion because the a-hole who impregnated them does not have feel a responsibility to be around or stick around or help with the child or whatever and that once the baby once the woman is pregnant that's her problem not his it and, does play both ways though because i've also heard a lot of stories where the parents of the guy uh, say, please keep the baby. We'll take care of the baby. Yeah. We got, but she runs off because parents, her parents are like, nope, have an abortion. And he has absolutely, even though he is 50% of that child, has absolutely no say yeah. in it. She can go get an abortion and it's fair game. Yeah. I don't, I don't know how common that is uh, as opposed to I sure. just guys just running off, but still. It, it, that 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 does go both ways there, but still, this whole idea that somehow, uh, just simply the existence of Planned Parenthood is going to resolve all the problems, is ridiculous, and and it certainly is not something that we should have to pay for. 
No, that I mean, article is amazing. Yeah, I mean, it's it's it, 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 there's no reason why we ought to be be paying for the killing of babies, and and, and that's just you know crazy. Specifically, as she's pointing out, mostly black children. Right, and 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 she points out too that it's mostly black black children. In initially by design because Margaret Sanger, that was her thing. It was Planned Parenthood was created on a uh, erasure of black children model. I mean, that's just, and again, if there was any org- other organization in the world that had that kind of genocidal genesis, it would, it would never be accepted. I mean, I mean, I mean, you, you, it's amazing how uh, the left wing and Democrats and even some blacks will be more focused on a statue built 150 years ago than they are on an organization created solely in 1939, essentially, uh, to eradicate black babies. But so, but they, but they think that that the, the monument is more of a menace to them than the existence of Planned Parenthood, and it's just simply not. Yeah, she, Sanger, uh, she, she, be, she began a thing called the Negro Project in 1939. Why don't we call Planned Parenthood the Negro Project now? Because that's kind of what it, it, that it remains still the same thing. Absolutely. She wanted to bring birth control to blacks in effort to reduce their population, and it was sold as a solution to poverty and high birth rates in the black community. And Sanger was also one of these individuals who wanted to uh, promote her theory of eliminating the unfit. Who does that sound like, by the way? Adolf Hitler, right? And yet it's Trump who's the Nazi, right? Or Trump supporters who are the Nazis. She also condemned charitable organizations that she believed were elevating the very population that needed to be weeded out. What a witch this woman was. And she's lauded in the liberal. Well, I think I actually think Hillary Clinton got like the thing called the Margaret Sanger Award. Yes. <laughs> can, can you believe I mean, that? How can you know, how can Don Lemon not report on this. Thank you for the Adolf Hitler Award. It's like, it's, that's, you might as well, you know? Yeah. Give her the, give, 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 uh, give Nancy Pelosi the Nobel Death Prize. At the same time, Sanger promoted uh, Planned Parenthood. She was a pioneer of modern day deceptive women's health practices. And you know what that is, though, right? Because Planned Parenthood tells us oh, yeah. that they're really just about uh, breast cancer and cervical this and that, mm-hmm. and birth control and everything else. And, and, and by the way, it's interesting, when, when confronted with all this, even Republicans who continue to support Planned Parenthood and continue to support the, uh, the, the, the taxpayer dollars on it, they say, well, these taxpayers, they don't go towards abortion. Yep. They just go towards the... Other part, you know, 
of, of Planned Parenthood, you know. Because they try to say that, no, we keep those separate. Yeah, right. They, there's no way in hell they keep those How? separate. How? It's money still coming into an organization. Right. It's, it's like when they talk about uh, lottery money. Well, there's going to be a special fund for yeah. education. It's like, no, there's not. It goes right into the pot. It's like Social Security. You know, they take mm. your Social Security, it goes right into the budget. There's no separate fund for Social Security. It's taken right out of the budget. So she basically said, listen, uh, Starbucks, if you're so interested in racial bias and this kind of thing, then maybe you want to go ahead and stop supporting Planned Parenthood. And by the way, Planned Parenthood, the, the people who want taxpayer funding in Planned Parenthood, if they think it's so important, why aren't they funding it? Like, like, like if you're, if you're uh, instead of writing a check to a pro-death liberal politician, pro-abortion liberal, why don't you write the check to Planned Parenthood and yeah. pay for it yourself? You know, you know, why don't you just, well, you know. That's not how that functions. That's not how that goes back to, you know, them wanting the government to run our lives. Here's what he said, this, the CEO said, when Maria Bartiromo asked him for his response. And he, is, uh, he was not aware that Starbucks gave money to Planned Parenthood. Stop. That's the CEO. <laughs> then, then Maria Bartiromo said, are you aware that Ryan Jaycox sits... <laughs> In a booth at your place? I do not sit in without Starbucks. Without buying anything? I don't go to Starbucks for the reason that you're talking about right here. I haven't gone to Starbucks in years. Once I found out that they supported Planned Parenthood, I would never buy a cup of coffee from them. Then they, then they, then they, had the, they did have the Panero CEO on there. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> Panera is wholesome. And he said, uh, he said, well... Uh, Ryan goes through the uh, <laughs> drive-thru once a week and spends upwards of $120. <laughs> so, Maria, uh, we let him sit there as much as it has meetings all the time. Yes, they love me. We like him. We, we like him to come He's in. one of ours. You know, the theme, by the way, and all seriousness of the show that you've put together in so many ways, I don't even think you meant to do it, but from the guns to uh, black inequality, to abortion, it is this, there is a commonality here of an inconvenient set of facts, what they conveniently don't want to talk about, and what they focus on, and you've shown multiple ways through, uh, we've gone through various subjects here on right. this, that they only look at what they want to look at, and if they looked at the actual facts, they would have no choice but to admit, oh, gosh, we've kind of screwed up on our focus. Uh, just a tad. Oh, and, and, and that's why it's so ridiculous that the news people are all hyperventilating over the Roseanne Barr tweet. And, and, and to the point where actually they have decided that this is really just President Trump's fault. They spent all day on that yesterday, that somehow this is tied to President Trump. Somehow this is Trump's fault. We got to have a town meeting on, on bigotry and everything else. And, and that's, that's the saddest part of it all. 
And in fact, here, you, our buddy uh, Michael Eric Dyson is back there. And President Obama, who, like he did with Charlottesville, President Trump, like he did with Charlottesville, seems to be taking sides against ABC and for Roseanne. That's the way it sounds to everybody. Well, we got a bigot in chief and we got a racist in residence. That's what it is. He has unleashed some of the most horrendous viewpoints bigotries and racism in this country he's legitimated them he's validated them he said look it's it's okay don't you have something to say to us about pluto because I, I thought that was your job <laughs> you know pluto was a comet it's like yeah. now 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 i gotta hear from him about the racist and michael eric who the who is this guy i thought he was like a scientist dude this is what they all do we laughed about this the other day with him and bill nye and and i i think now apparently then the president is racist because he's not condemning a tweet from Roseanne Barr for crying out loud. Yeah, they, I mean, they asked about that oh, the yeah, other they, day. Yes. What are your feelings and thoughts on the Roseanne? They're like, uh. Yeah. We're running the world? When this guy, we've already <laughs> explained, if you look for a common theme, we're, we're explaining that, that this idea somehow that President Trump is racist, it's actually the exact opposite. And the idea that liberals are the ones who are open-minded and not, uh, not bigoted is a bunch of baloney. Like I said earlier, and, and, and you listen to it, and as Ryan pointed out about the theme, look, and it wasn't intentional. It no. just kind of came up. But, uh, again, people are more concerned about a Roseanne Barr tweet than they are about 40 deaths so far just this month in Chicago. They're more concerned about white kids getting shot up at a high school than they are about members of their own race and their own community being gunned down by the hundreds in just one city. The thousands when you add them all up. And again, I'm not saying that we shouldn't be concerned about kids getting shot up in a school. We, I get that. But just look, look at the balance. Look at, look at where the attention is. Look at, look at who's... Uh, who's blaming who and who we're talking about. And Dyson and Matthews and all these guys, it's an industry, this idea, this, this racism thing, this, this rampant racism claim, because they have nothing else to talk about. It's the, it's, their, it's the work of their lives. Well, how is this going to fit into the theme of the show, Ryan? <laughs> I don't know where you're going. The Lake of the Ozarks oh, no. in Party Cove. Yep, I know. Described as a giant Petri dish of debauchery, according to the uh, Post-Dispatch article here. And a place where boaters, drinkers, and exhibitionists gather for weekends. You go to Party Cove, though, right? I'm negative. Oh, okay. This I, is gonna... a, I have so many. I practically live at Lake of the Ozarks. Okay, well, I thought you said you went there one time, but it's not. I have been there. Is it? Is it? I've never been there. So is no. it? Is it like exhibitionist city? And it used to be. Okay. It's not anymore. It's. It's practically nobody goes there anymore. Oh really? No. Now everybody goes to it's. It's called Anderson Hall. It's. It's Evergreen and Girl Scout Cove, which I know has a terrible name, but nobody does that. <laughs> those days are done. Girl Scout Cove. It's what they call it. Well, these guys, if those days are done, then these guys who are looking for a brand new place for a reality TV show are a little late, right? They're way late. We were laughing about this the other day. So the same team that brought us uh, Jersey Shore uh, and Party Down South 
say they want to do another reality show at Party Cove, which would probably require them to recruit people to just simply uh, redo yes. what used to happen there. Absolutely. That's what they'd have to do. Because now the party's at, there's a place called Coconuts, and that's where all the kids go now. <laughs> like kids as in kids? or Like kids, kids as, as in, in young, know, ki- young 18, people? 18, 19, 20, gotcha. 21. Yeah. So uh, they're thinking about doing it. The casting company says they expect to film it all around the Lake of the Ozarks, all around the place, exactly. including some other places that you might actually mention there. But yeah, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a deal. Party Cove. Are you gonna? And they're apply? gonna call. And they're calling it Party. Are Cove. you gonna apply? Are you gonna apply for a cast member? I could do that. You could. You would play the role of like the older guy who's like still trying to be youthful and party it up. <laughs> As opposed to the younger guy. <laughs> Stealing booths at Panera Bread Company. We would make for terrible cast members. So yeah, they would have. Um, they have it's four ninety five productions, and it's it's they're now casting it. It's so horrible. essentially, what they're doing is when you cast a reality show, though, aren't you really just? It's how do you don't you take the reality out of that? Yes, and it's scripted and. The days of reality TV is a joke. Yeah. I mean, because because even Jersey Shore had people who were basically actors in it, right? Yeah. Snooky and Ronnie and Holly oh, yeah. D. Yeah. I mean, they were all basically people who... So when you're casting something... So Party Cove, you'd have to actually then recruit people to take over the entire... Which is exactly what and just do. and just simply recreate what you say is not happening there anymore. It literally just got posted the other day that like everyone was like, "So is there even a party cove anymore?" Yes, technically there is, but nobody goes there anymore. What they'll do is they'll have to announce like we're filming on, you know, July twenty seventh at the party cove, so that will attract people. They're gonna have to recreate it. It's fake. Well, the picture they have, and it's funny because the picture they use of Party Cove shows, like, older people sitting in a boat. Yes. (laughs) I mean, I I could see these people. Yes. They look like they're... Like families. Straight out of Baldwin. (laughs) Now, that would be the reality show, straight out of Baldwin. Will you come with me to Lake of the Ozarks when they film that, and then we can try to be in the scene? Yeah. I'll take you up there. Can you do 360s in your boat? We'll do that. <laughs> on my wave rider. <laughs> we'll do it in your boat. We'll just oh, go in there. We'll we'll just... Do you have a horn on your boat? <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Well, then we'll just kind of like while they're filming, <laughs> go in there. Honk their horn. They would be so mad at us. I'll be, I'll be the old man in that Speedo, like the, like the dude in Mad, 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 Mad World. Yeah. Dick Sean. I thought of you actually the other day as I was at the lake. There's girls that are on a wave runner. No, that's not why I thought of you. They're on a wave runner and they have Red Bull backpacks. And I know you, you, every once in a while, you'll drink like a Red Bull. No, I never drink Red Bull. You don't ever drink Red Bull? No. 
Oh, you drink energy drink? Yeah. Okay, you just don't drink Red Bull? JV, I was so excited because I saw them. Actually, and they were, I do. This is a Red Bull see? Pure Edition sugar-free one. Yeah. And it, so it, it, they were throwing them to people <laughs> on the boats. And I'm like, Kelly's like, Ryan, get them for Jamie. And I was like, I run up to the front of my boat. And I'm like, throw them here. And I'm like, catching them. And? I have them for you. Where are they? They're at my house. I'll give them to you. We have, uh, speaking of uh, what Ryan has, we have uh, bumper stickers now that we're going to be giving away at the event, not only on Friday when we have our book signing with Doug Giles. Uh, this is Friday the 8th at the Missouri Athletic Club West, uh, but also on Saturday at the Warrior and the Wild Man Radio Free Allman Throwdown Palooza. Yeah, I know it's a mouthful, but it's going to be from 12 to 6. Don't forget, we've got the Naputi Pediatric kids area there where we're going to have a bounce house and we're going to have face painting, all that kind of stuff. We've got Phil Valencia, our buddy Nine Killer from Twitter, who is going to be uh, spinning all the tunes for us. We have our barbecue truck. What's the barbecue place called again? Q in the Lou. Q in the Lou. Oh, nice. Okay. And then we've got uh, Russo's Italian, which is going to be great. They're only going to be out there until about 3 o'clock. So if you're really wanting to come for the Italian food, (laughs) you'll be out there at 3 o'clock. And then we've got uh, Billy Bush. I just talked to him the other day, and he's going to supply us with some Kreftig beer. And then we're going to have Kona Ice out there. And then we're also going to have um, Moto, Moto, Exotica. Moto Exotica. They're going to have their little, uh, they're going to have a kind of a mini car show. I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I was asking Scotty uh, Brandt, I'm wondering whether that I should be as part of the car show that he ought to bring up, whether he can manage to bring up my uh, dad's 1973 International Scout, which I still have on his property there, which I had always planned to refurbish and fix up and do all that kind of stuff, and uh, never really, never really have, have done it yet. But it's sitting down there. It's a great. Have you have you, have you ever seen one of these? I remember babies? you talking about that. This thing car. is a beast, and it's this banana yellow International Scout, and it's. It's amazing. And I, once I get it going, I got it down there finally, and I got a fuel line in it. It actually works, but maybe you should bring that up. And then, of course, Doug Giles is going to be there. Now, Doug is going to be there probably till around 4 o'clock or so or in that vicinity because we are uh, going to uh, go. Uh, I, I got to get him to the airport. So we're yeah. going to do it. He, he'll have to leave because he's, his uh, flight is like at 6. So he's got to be there a little earlier. So if you want to see Doug on Saturday, I'd be out there from 12 to 12 to 4 or so because then he's got to take off. But then, of course, we have the uh, outing at the Missouri Athletic Club, 530 to 8. Of course, he's signing all three books. And, Ryan, you put something up there on Facebook. I shared it on my private page as well so you guys can uh, get in there. And you know what? It's all free, y'all. So it's going to be fun. I can't wait. It's going to be a blast. So check it out. And in the meantime, I guess i got to get the theme going here, don't I? Even though we all know what the theme has been of the show. I'll get my uh, David Byrne Don't Fence Me In theme going here. Yeah, we really covered some ground today. I know, dude. Here we go. There you are. There you have it. There you are. All right, folks. Tomorrow, Jim Talent and Doug Giles are going to join us. And don't forget to go to RadioFreeAlman.com. And pick yourself up some gear, and then we'll have all the bumper stickers for you as well there um, on the weekend and at the book signing at, at the Palooza. So have a great rest of your day, everybody. Thank you for listening to uh, Radio Free Almond.
Thanks.